Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to a regiment of number 260. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. We are back from our Thanksgiving break. And yeah, it's, it's, where do we begin? We got there, there's a few things on the docket. I'm weird. I don't work in court. <laughs> We're like judges. We're judging all these uh, news stories. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Should we just uh, get the Trump shit out of the way? Because. Sure. I haven't argued with you in a while. Let's go. <laughs> well, like I, I don't know what I don't know what there is to argue about, really, because I, I haven't been following this with uh, with great detail, but it's just hard to get away from it completely. But there are some kind of interesting stories bubbling up about uh, Michael Cohen's testimony and also uh, about Paul Manafort's testimony. And I saw Michael Cohen told the truth today, and he didn't even need a million dollars. Yeah, he, months ago, Michael Cohen told the truth about a lot of meetings involving getting a Trump Tower in Moscow, and he admitted to lying, which he said he did so uh, in order to keep on message with the president or uh, person number one, I think, as he's referred to, but everyone knows who it is, which is just the same as saying that he was lying to protect him. I'm just, I'm just weary of the whole thing. Can it just be over? Well, this is the first solid connection between Trump and Russia. And all, it, all and, I read about his testimony is the meetings went later into the campaign than he had said, and there was a... It's something about a meeting in Moscow, or planning a meeting in Moscow, or something like that. Mm-hmm. What I saw today. The uh, the planned meeting between Trump and Putin. Uh, sure. I said I kind of just I I kind of just skimmed it when I read it earlier. Uh, this is really responsible journalism, by the way, everybody. Who's journalism? It's us. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're just commenters. <laughs> yeah, we're bullshitting about something we skinned. It's I'm just to the point. Like, it just, just just give us something. I guess that I guess my beef has been more with the media than it has been with the whole ordeal. Is it just? It's yeah, I get it. Twenty four hour news cycle. You need stuff to talk about. But it's I said it's just it's just wearying at this point. Can we just when significant things happen? Can we just report on them? Uh, you know, a bunch I, of mites and maybes. Well, does this qualify? No, hold, on, hold on, hold on. I, I agree with you, but I agree with you because I'm weary of the, we found something, we've got him, versus the, you yeah. have nothing, you don't have him. Like, how many times have we heard we got him? Like, we're on like a half a dozen. I mean, it, it, if it's if it's coming from uh, you know MSNBC, CNN, it's you know significant progress in the investigation. If it's coming from Fox or Breitbart, it's they have nothing. They're still digging. Prosecute her for the emails, and it's like you know what? Just wake me the fuck up when 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 something gets in front of a judge because I, I the media 
I'm not getting facts. I'm getting your opinion on what's going on. And I, that's that's what's weary to me. I, I'm very weary of yeah. that. Like, I just well, want facts, man. Come on. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, it is conjecture. You know, they're reporting on something on an, on an investigation that does have leaks, but they seem to be very structured leaks. The things that have leaked seem to be specifically what Mueller wants to be leaked for for purposes of furthering the investigation. Other than that, everything else is just really conjecture. It all but reminds you, me but, of... But as we hear these stories here and there about uh, about possible uh, you know illegal doings of the president, I think the logical conjecture for a lot of people is like, this is it, right? Because under normal circumstances or what we feel is uh, is normal under or normal for an American president at least things that there's many things that Trump has done already openly that don't even need to be proved that we would think would have totally ruined past presidents so I think that's where a lot of I mean granted a lot of this is desire to report having to have something to say about the investigation, having to have an opinion, an angle, a theory on it. You know, this is what's getting the clicks and eyeballs, no doubt. But I, I kind of understand where a lot of it is coming from. I mean, honestly, I think there's, from my experience, there's less of that going on in the media. There seems to be a kind of a calming down. Um, you know, things are ramping up now because there's actually something real to report on. Like, uh like Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen. There there are real developments in the investigation. But it's yeah, all, I mean, but we're all tired. It, it, it's <laughs> all reminiscent to me of when Rachel Maddow got Trump's quote-unquote tax returns. Right. Oh, and, I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm with Rich. When somebody's handcuffed <laughs> and they got a court date, let me know. Or just, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't, well, I don't well, need don't that. You, I don't need that. I just, I want more of a, the, the problem is, is that, I don't have cable television. I don't watch network news. That's not I a don't, problem. I don't. <laughs> problem? Well, okay. Well, <laughs> the problem is, since I don't have that, I, I, you know, like, either I seek out, like, the AP or Reuters, or I see what gets posted by very biased people one way or another. And what they consider... Um, Valid news sources, which blows my fucking mind constantly. And I'm just like, so this is what the average person is doing. That's what bothers me more. It's like the average person is just cherry picking. Well, this news story says something against Trump. This is fake news. This one says something that I agree with. This is real news. And or vice versa, and it's just like it gets nowhere. That's that's the wearying part. People well, that, and their bullshit, okay, is what has got me weary. It's I don't need a law and order, you know, dun dun moment. You know what I'm saying? Like hang them high, McCoy gets them to to admit something on the fucking stand. I don't need that. I would just like everybody just shut the fuck up because all you're doing is muddying the waters. And this isn't. It, these are people doing it to each other. This isn't even the media. These, I mean, half these guys. If I if I forwarded half these these so called sources of information that are valid that people post, 
and you look at the websites, you're like, was this made on like, like I don't know, Angel Fire 15, 20 years ago? Who made this website? This looks like something that was state-of-the-art when we were in Specs Howard. And this is being taken as, oh, this is, re- this is a real news website. No, it's not. It's a bullshit site put up to, to spread misinformation, and you assholes buy into it every single fucking time. That's what's wearying. So it's not really the situation. Yeah. It's the people that has got it, me weary. And unfortunately, Rich, it's, it's, gonna, it's not going away. I heard somebody interviewed Meredith Vieira a few weeks ago. I don't know how I heard this, but she had a very good point. She's like, it's a very dangerous time right now because there is, for whatever you believe, there is an echo chamber for it. Absolutely. And well, you have the Trump yeah. campaign painting media that disagree, that, that not even, okay, I can understand if they feel they're being attacked by a certain media source. Understand, not condone. I can understand the human instinct to attack back. Mm-hmm. However, this whole thing of any time any criticism is leveled at this at this presidency that it's a conspiracy and you're an enemy of the people and then half the people you know who give a fuck in this country let's put it that way let's stop saying half the country because over half the country really doesn't give a fuck look at how many people don't vote compared to who do vote so of the people who vote enough or give a fuck enough to vote half of them believe oh yeah, the media is the enemy of the people. And then they look to the, the president and go, well, who's who's the friend of the people? The media we like. The media that pumps us up. That, to me, is the most dangerous thing. Because at a certain point, what do you... You're just doing what your master tells you to do. I mean, it, it's... The, you're, you're... Dance, boy. Politics in 2018. Dance, boy. Dance. That's what that's what you're being told. And it's like, you're hot-footing it. Is this good enough, master? I can, I can do you better, mess. I swears. I mean, that's that's what you're doing. It's and interesting people, that we, we used to used to be a certain personality type that would believe in conspiracy theories, and the phrase, some variation thereof, of uh, you know, we're telling the story that they don't want you to know. We're telling the story that no one else is telling. No one else is talking about this. Right? These are the these are phrases used to couch ridiculous conspiracy theories. Yes. And justify them. As in like, well, you know, you would think if you were read if we were telling you that there's aliens on it, that everyone would be reporting about it, but here's why they're not. And that same justification is now used for quote unquote news stories and Everyone's buying into it. Yeah. Every, everybody in some way or form, not everybody, but it, a good majority of the country has picked a side one way or the other and is buying all the conspiracy theories, is going right along with these stories. Of, well, here's the one that nobody's talking yeah. about, about the Mueller investigation. Why is that? It, it maybe maybe because party. it's not fucking true. Maybe this is why we don't just have one monolithic journalism monopoly in this country is so that we have more than one source for these things, you know, and sure there's breaking news, but when you break, when the, you know, the New York times breaks news, everybody else ends up reporting on it. If it's actually true news. Yes, correct. And, and, and what's funny too, is this, this doesn't seem to know any partisan lines. It, it's the, 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 the lunatics on the right have their conspiracy theories and the lunatics on the left have theirs. 
Oh yeah, we went we went off the rails of of vetting our own sources to just oh, wait a minute. They said something I agree with. I automatically believe everything they say. Mm-hmm. And it's and there's no levels of of gray area either. It's like one misstep could make a person all of a sudden go, I don't believe this news source anymore. You know, 99 times out of 100, they praised Trump, but one time they kind of criticized something he did, said, whatever. Well, then this is invalid now. And that's, that's, that's how you argue with someone who has, like, borderline personality and you're in a relationship with. That's not how, that's not, that's, that's, that's not how the media should work, but it's, it's what we, it's obviously what we, like, what a lot of people want. And so why the fuck should the media do anything else? I've kind of, I, as much as it irks me to say that, because I fought it, I fought against it because that's not how it should be. Well, you know what? That's how it is. So I can cry about how it should be, or I can accept how it is. And it, it's just how it is. And a lot of people are very comfortable with that. And that's what, that's what makes me go, I just... Just blow a big wet one when, for these stories. I'm like, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. Because you people have made it. It's not even about the investigation. It's about, you know, the, the one My little subject. One. Yes, one little subject. And then they'll, they'll fight about that. And it's like you're, there's a whole issue that's being ignored while you guys fight out one little subject. Like, ooh, Ivanka's emails were on an unsecured server, just like Hillary's. So why isn't, like, lock her up? And it's like, that's tit for tat, dude. You want to play those games? Really? You want to play those games? Because this is where it gets us to a stalemate. We're we're just, it's it's just people staring at each other going, you do something first. You know you do something. No, you do something. Well, I thought the the Michael Cohen uh, news is interesting because it helps put together some of the, the puzzle pieces. Well, who perjured how, himself? How this, how this story is coming together, but the uh, the Paul Manafort uh, story, I think, is more interesting in how this uh, this case is likely to be prosecuted. I don't know if you guys have followed any of this, but Paul Manafort had uh, reached a plea deal. Yes, this to, is the, yes to cooperate. This is a former campaign manager for Trump, and. So he was working hand-in-hand with with the Mueller investigation. But then, I guess, also at the same time, he was going back to the White House and working with the White House and giving them the information he was getting and using that to uh, help secure up a defense for Trump and for Paul Manafort himself. Only it seems to be that uh, that Mueller, (laughs) Mueller and his team were actually aware of this. That they thought it was very likely that Manafort would st- still feed information to Trump. So uh, I'm sure there's like a, a spy term for this that I've heard in movies before. Double agent. But no, he's not a double agent, more of a useful idiot because he was unaware of the service that he was providing. Right? He thought that he was getting information from Mueller and using that to help himself and Trump out. And really, he was still helping Mueller's investigation now because one of the charges that we're likely to see is this is has to do with some form of collusion. And if they can prove that Mueller, that uh, Manafort was feeding information back to Trump when he was supposedly under a plea agreement deal, 
then that's that's a big part of your collusion right there. Any attempt for Trump to try and actively disrupt or shut down the investigation would be uh, collusion. It'd be obstruction of justice as well, wouldn't it? Yes, that's probably the better term for it. All I know is if I'm if I'm the judge for Manafort, there's your plea deal. See ya. Well, uh, actually, Manafort, he kind of, I don't know what, what the term would be, like rescinded his, his plea deal. So that's when all this came out. Like, he decided not to go ahead with the plea. And then it started, leaks started coming out that Mueller's team was like, yeah, we saw this coming. <laughs> we kind of knew that this would be the, because he thinks he's got enough, he, m- Manafort probably can't get enough information to protect his ass, but if he can get enough information to give Trump something to fight with, then he's more likely to get pardoned by Trump anyway. So I think that's what Manafort is is fishing for. He helps out Trump enough to the point where Trump can keep out of danger, and then therefore, if Manafort still ends up in hot water, he's he's pardoned. Mm-hmm. This is why... Decent people don't get into politics because, yeah, sounds awesome. Well, I, I don't know what this has to do with politics. This is just criminal activity. No, but this is... <laughs> wait, 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 yeah, wait. Let's be yeah, honest you, here. Yeah, a pretty good argument could be made. That, 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 they're, I'm not saying they are 100% the same, but they do cross paths quite frequently. A little bit. You know, so... I mean, it's it's it, how much of this is 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 do these people look at as this is business as usual? What you know, I'm not talking about whether they, that's a valid way to look at it. I'm saying that they would look at it as like this is business as usual. Why are you persecuting me? Yeah, I mean, that's going to probably be Trump's last remaining defense when the whole story is laid out and he can't deny it any longer. He's going to lean on his supporters, going. Oh well, you know this is what it takes to fight dirty and be successful in politics. You know, it's kind of this backwards thinking of like, instead of having the most American person represent this country, it is now a representation of how American you are by how dirty you're willing to fight in order to achieve the presidency. (laughs) Trump is president, therefore he is automatically the most American, not what should happen, which would be the most American citizen actually gets into office. Or, you know, best person for the job. Well, that that's cra- That crazy yeah, line of thinking. That's, that's what I'm kind of trying to describe. You know, the most American would be like the most qualified and has what we consider to be, you know, traditional American ideals of which Trump has none except for making money. That's the only, and apparently that's the only one that's worth anything anymore, I guess. <laughs> uh, pretty much since the 80s. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's when Trump made it big, right? I was just talking about our country in general. It's because it's- No, I know, but Trump being this, this representative figure of America, I mean, that all came about in the 80s. Yeah, we tossed out Jesus and brought in the dollar sign somewhere in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Well, I swear at some point I remember an interview with Oliver Stone when he was talking about uh, when he was making Wall Street that 
Trump was one of many people he pulled from for inspiration for the Gordon Gecko character. It's mm-hmm. not solely based on Trump. Right. But, I mean, let's be honest, the infamous speech that he gives where he's like, you know, greed is good. Could you, I mean, I, I think we could all see Trump giving that speech, especially at that point in time in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And fuck it. I could see him saying it now. I could. I mean, he would he would try to rationalize it a little bit more than just flat out being like, hey, yeah, greed is good. Whatever. You know, he might be like, well, it's good. When we're, when we're keeping America's best interest at heart over anybody else, if we're greedy, that's good. You know, like I could right. totally see him making that argument. Well, yeah, I mean, there's people who are, I mean, Trump is kind of a, a character that turns off a lot of people just kind of naturally, I think. There's, there's some people that just never going to, like me personally, I've never watched, uh, you know, as a... Um, apprentice show or anything like that yeah the that's, whole the whole kind of character has just been greasy and weird and like yeah whatever but now that he's you know a president and a republican president there's just flat out people that are never going to agree with him on anything he is just the enemy period but if trump were a Fictional character in a Netflix drama, these people would be eating it up. They say they fucking love him. They would love him. They would be rooting for him to get out of trouble each and every week, watching him get by just by the skin of his teeth. It's like me watching Billions. Like, you know, Bobby Axelrod as a real person would not be cool. No, he's (laughs) not. I love watching him on Billions. He fucks over people. He, He claims to care about family values but really through his actions in the show you realize he really just cares about himself i think one of the things that billions does good though is that everybody's just a fucking asshole yeah i mean like like there's really no clear-cut good guy bad guy yeah there isn't yeah there's no good good people on that show uh, yeah last season showed us how far uh chuck was willing to go and break the law himself with the idea of, well, you know, I maybe I break the law, but I'm doing it in the name of the law for the greater good of the law. I know that my cause is good. Therefore, I can break the law. And look, I'm more Team Chuck than I am Team Bobby X, but I understand that they're both equally flawed. Absolutely. And neither, neither one of them are good people. No. Yeah, it's, it's that's one of the the... Well, I think it's, well, really, since what? Oz, The Sopranos, like the, the, those type shows started getting real popular. It's become kind of a, 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 a trope now to where there really is no one that's above reproach. There's no one who's, you know. Yeah. Who's, uh, sadly, as much as we demand people in public life and in po- political life be these christ-like figures who've never made any serious mistakes never taken any missteps mm-hmm. or else we shame them on twitter and and you know whatever start hashtag fucking mafia shit against them right we we, we it's like in real life we want one thing but in our entertainment we understand the reality of it but we just we haven't accepted that you know do you, do you get what i'm what i'm saying no i understand and i i'm wondering how much of this is different I mean, I think that we are in, in entertainment-wise, and our movies have definitely showed us this. We're 
kind of seeing this new age of the anti-hero um you know even like in the in the actual hero movies like dc decided to go the route of like the flawed characters and that the that they're not quite perfect but you know oz and and sopranos are perfect examples but a show like Breaking Bad kind of puts it into the next level. You know, you're you kind of have a uh, wrong side of the law to start with when you're talking about organized gangs and prisons. But Breaking Bad was a story of a school teacher who ends up doing shit just as horrible as Tony Soprano ever did. Right. So we are like we love antiheroes, and it seems like we love them even more at at this age right now where where yeah i mean maybe it's just from information that's the flood of information like nobody's private life can really stay private if uh if somebody wants to find out like this idea that everybody's got some dirt on them but then i question how much different that is because all throughout i mean if you look at just our movies as a, a kind of a barometer for our society we've always loved the anti-hero yeah. and Cowboy and Indian movies were based on people who lived outside the law. But you I would know, say somebody that, might get deputized here and there, but at the end of the day, you know, they, they gunned down a few Indians, and ain't nobody going to say peep about it. He's not. Well, that was because that was when it was acceptable to make Indians the clear-cut bad guys and the you know manifest yeah. destiny heading west, the the good you know the good guys. But I mean, it's. There's, <clears throat> there seems to be a lack of redemption anymore. Like even if you look at something like, like if you look at a movie like Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson's character was like you know the the dude who just did not give a fuck. He had nothing to live for. Kid. Yeah, but I mean by the end of that movie, he you know he walks up to, to 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 uh, uh, Murtaugh's house, knocks on the door, has hands his daughter the bullet and says, give that to your father. You know, the bullet that he was always saving to kill himself with because he'll understand what that means. There was some sort of redemption there. Yeah. You know, and if you go back even to the West character like, growth. Yeah. Even if you go back to like the Westerns, like Rio Bravo, Dean Martin's character was, you know, a, a former lawman who just started drinking himself to death. And then John Wayne comes and he's like, look, I need you to sober your ass up and I need you to, you know, do the right thing for a fucking change. And he does eventually in the end. Like now it's like, there's just no redemption. We just wallow in a more in, in like our amorality in our mean, entertainment. <laughs> I think yes and no. Uh, I, th I think that to use, to continue with breaking bad as a, as a good example of this, I think it is, there is no redemption in that story. Right. In the way that we would traditionally describe it. Like your, the examples that you were giving rich, there's no, there's no just easy resolution to it and, and natural character growth, and he comes out of it a better man at the end, right? He just goes into fucking hiding because he ruined everything, and we assume he dies alone. So there is no redemption. But on the other hand, isn't there, hasn't the redemption for Walter White been right there with his character the whole time? It was the same type of redemption that Tony Soprano had, and it's really just a shield. It's... I did it for my family. It's this, the idea that everything that Walter White did, he only all, whether, he, whether you agree with the actions that he took or not, they are justified because he did it for his family. But, see, I would argue... Which I think is, is honestly people buying into bullshit. Because yeah, exactly. Watch, Lame if you really excuse. watch this show. Well, you know, but 
I think that's that's part of what allows us to uh, keep this identity with these uh, anti-heroes. Well, that's yeah, it's funny because Walter White in the last episode when he goes and visits Skylar, he's like, you know, I liked it. I was good at it. I did it for right. me. He finally admits that. Tony Soprano never admit. He just I, I just do this to feed my family and provide for my wife. No, you were a gangster before you met you, you had your kids and before you even married your wife. Yes. Okay, you you chose that lifestyle before you even were finished with high school. All right, you did it because it was easier than than getting a square job and going to to, to Rutgers or Seton Hall for four years and sitting in a cubicle and, and wasting away in middle management. You know that's why you did it. And I mean that's it. it it's like I don't know. It's like it it is kind of weird. It's like our our fictional characters are kind of like ideal versions idealized versions of how we'd like people to be and i think it's just we've dropped a lot of pretense of well there has to be in the end some redeeming overall redeeming you know event that happens that brings this person back into the fold of like you know now you're now you're once again a a productive good member of society and now it's just like no fuck it yeah fucked up people stay fucked up and that's just the way it is Mm mm-hmm and I mean, look, we look at what we have. We had two very flawed candidates in 2016, very flawed, and people were willing to overlook the flaws because, well, they had the right letter by their name. Right, and and that attitude that I was describing earlier about people are supporting Trump and going, well, sure, you know, he may have bent and sometimes even broken the law, but like he just. Uh, he, he just was doing what needed to be done to achieve that goal, right? He was playing the game. And that, that that same defense was used for Hillary. Like, okay, yeah, sure, she's got some shady stuff in her past, maybe, but don't you want that? Somebody who's been through the shit? Like, she's a fighter. She's proved that. Well, I mean, if we're gonna if if fighters make the best presidents, then we need to get Mike Tyson to yes. run twenty twenty. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather twenty twenty. As long as he doesn't have to read from the teleprompter, yeah, we'll be <laughs> all good. Right. Forgot about that. <laughs> hey, Floyd, read this, motherfucker! You want me to knock you out? You know I can't read. <laughs> he is the richest athlete in the world. You can't get a tutor. If you're when you are worth as much as him, you don't need to read. You have other people around you. You pay to do that for you. Yeah, I was just saying, if you could just go, hey, white boy, read this. Also, yeah, it's not like his. He's off the rails. Like it's, place pretty set. You don't want to throw a monkey wrench. Like knowing how to read shit. <laughs> he spills. He spills a cup of coffee. He's like, get me a white boy to clean it up. A blonde haired, blue eyed white boy, so I can enjoy that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, ultimately, uh, Trump is, you know, what a lot of people wanted, man. I, well, he tells it like it is. Yeah. And he puts an outsider. He, he's an outsider. He puts, you know, at least he gives lip service to putting America first and et cetera, et cetera. And it doesn't matter that he's been married and divorced how many times and is of questionable business practices. And it, it, it just... He says what I, he says what I want to hear, and it's like, well, yeah, then. and and facts and reality aren't going to get in the way of that. I mean, this recent news with the uh, GM plant closings and retooling of their business, uh, 
seems to be heavily affected by by Trump's tariffs and and uh, his trade deals that he's been setting up. Well, and yes and no. Well, I mean, it's a factor. People, it's a factor. People not it's buying a, cars. It's a it's a factor because of the tariffs. Yeah, I understand. It's not the only factor, but it is a factor. So there are probably a decent amount of Trump supporters that are now going to lose their jobs working for GM, right? So they themselves might go, oh, this guy's full of shit. Turns out Trump didn't do shit for me. Actually, he made my life worse with his ridiculous policies. But that doesn't change it. <laughs> anyone else's view of Trump. They're just like, well, if GM had more faith in the president and held in there, then uh, I don't know, what, whatever lie they believe that they've been fed, <laughs> that, that, that eventually uh, a trade war is something that can be won, I guess, is the bigger lie there that they're buying into. Well, I, you know, I used, to, I used to kind of balk at the idea of what you would say is, when you you know when you're talking about the automobile bail, bailout, you're like you know I wasn't for it. Whatever. If they're not providing a good enough product, let them fail. And my point my point was okay. Well, the bailout, at least how it was presented, a lot of the time was this isn't necessarily to keep them afloat as a business. This is to make sure that everyone that worked for them doesn't get fucked over, and we don't have all these people being dumped into the you know into the job market. Right, et cetera, et cetera. And but also what, the the ripple effect of how is this going to how is this going to affect not just Ford and GM but like all of their suppliers. Exactly, but in reality, what happened? A lot of that money was used to give bonuses to the CEOs who ran the company into the ground. Mm-hmm. Golden parachutes to ones that were let go, and people were bought out for you know what 10 cents on a dollar for their fucking retirement you know yeah here oh yeah sorry but instead of all the retirement benefits and packages and pension that you've been working towards we'll buy you out for $150,000 and you can have a nice life right which is a drop in the bucket to gm especially yeah. when they're getting billions in taxpayer money and so i've had to come i've had to right well I, to like, like my, i'm sorry go ahead I was just going to say, like $150,000 bailout. Some guy over 30, he'd be like, oh, this is a windfall. But if some guy who's like 55, he's looking at that like, this is the last amount of money I will ever see. <laughs> this is it. I have to yeah. live off this $150 for however long I fucking live. Yeah, because and then he's going to Walmart going, you need a greeter for <laughs> right. minimum wage, you know? I mean, because it's because he has no other choice. But you know, I've had to I've had to revise my thinking on this. And you know what? Fuck it. Let GM fail. And I kind of agree with Trump on this. If we're going to give you subsidies, if you're going to take American taxpayer money to subsidize your business to keep you in business, then you owe you owe some loyalty to the American people. And if you're going to close American plants and ship those jobs overseas, then fuck you ain't getting no more subsidies. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, the plant that was, you know, the the the. Listening to NPR this week, it was really interesting because it's amazing how you never hear these stories until decades down the line. But the the shady bullshit that went on in Pole Town to get that plant opened, as far as seizing people's property and and, and business and businesses' property, and they st- people a lot of people. This was in the, like 1980. They haven't been paid still. This isn't like you know eminent domain used to mean the government shows up and says, 
here's the value of your property. We're going to give you this money. You had so long to get out. We need this property. As, as shitty as that is, they, you at least got money. These people were told, get the fuck out. And a lot of them didn't get paid. They never got the money that was, that was promised to them. And GM opened that plant, and now they're closing it, and well, we're going to just ship the jobs overseas. Fuck you. Fuck you. You get no more of our money. Go to China and ask them for fucking money. Go to Mexico and ask them for fucking money. Go to Canada and ask them for money. If that's where you want to ship these fucking jobs, and that's where you want to, you know, you want to put these jobs in countries who ain't going to give you a fucking dime compared to what America's going to give you, then you can go beg at their fucking doorstep. Bye. I no longer have any sympathy for you because ultimately the workers are not going to be taken care of. It's going to be the people at the top. We're going to make sure that you continue to fail upward because that's, that's the true American dream in 2018. To reach a certain level of, of success to where you, you, you cannot fail downwards. Unless you stick your dick in a, in a child or sexually harass or assault a woman these days. Those, those right. are the, like the two things that will, t- will bring you down quicker there's, than anything. There's still a little bit of pull yourself up by the bootstraps, but it's pull yourself up just enough so that you can get into a, uh, a uh, uh, tax bracket that, that you will be considered white. And then you can continue to, if you do fail, you will fail up, right? Like you're making 30 grand a year and you fail. You're not failing up from there. Yeah, you're going back but, down to 25, 30, or 20. Right, you get into executive class and you're making over six, you're making six figures. Then, like, no matter what color you are, you are in the white bracket and whites fail up. We take care of our own. Or, or if you're, if you're like middle management, you can fail like and make a lateral move. Oh, I see that my job all the time. They just move them into another department. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like so Catholic church. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, your fucking children in Pittsburgh. Well, well, we can't have that. We'll send so you to Seattle. We'll put you in Youngstown, Ohio. There you go. See if you got you know. young in the name. You'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but then when they get there, they realize that all these Ohio children, half of them are little wet brain retards. They're not as hot as the ones in, in the upper class cities. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of inbreeding in to keep their mouth shut. There's a, there's a lot of inbreeding in Youngstown. What the fuck's going like, on here? Do, doing a lot of picking for uh, lice. Well, and the kids' heads yeah, while they're go to, going down on them. <laughs> it's like, like checking them for lice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, when you, hey, once you uh, gag down that cock snot, I got to give you this special shampoo. They're jumping all over the place down here, man. <laughs> I mean, it's like the priest goes to molest the kids, and it, it's like the kids from Gummo. They end up molesting the priest, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the priest is like, no, I'm fine, actually. <laughs> you know, it's getting late. I've got a headache. <laughs> I wouldn't fuck you with the poke stick and the cardinal pushing. Get out of here, kid. What's wrong you with are you? the second person I've ever heard refer to gummo <laughs> and the last time i heard about it was like at least 10 years ago <laughs> but have you seen it i have seen like the first half hour and i said it's enough for uh, me yeah. <laughs> 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 i didn't think that was the type of movie to keep you in at rapt attention yeah <laughs> 
but <laughs> especially considering its lack of plot. <laughs> yeah, or you know, general acting, or or seemingly like like the producer Armini Corrine wanted anybody to actually watch it. It would almost seem like a dare. Yeah, like <laughs> who needs cinematography, editing, real <laughs> actors? <laughs> hey, we got this kid. In a, in a bathtub of water that is like algae green, can we tape some bacon next to him on the wall? What? Uh, what how does it drive the story? I don't fucking know. It'll give the internet something to talk about. Tape that bacon to the wall right there. <laughs> I tell you, honest, I have not had spaghetti. I have not <laughs> eaten spaghetti since I've seen Gummo, and it's not like I was this huge spaghetti eater. In the first place, it's not my favorite pasta shape. It's kind of the dumbest one when you really think about it. And the one that really clings the least to the sauce. But I, I just can't even, I can't even really watch other people eat spaghetti. I just find it to be a disgusting food and I blame Gummo and I blame Harmony Corrine. <laughs> well, Jesus Christ. I was going to go get some shit and make a big old fucking pot of spaghetti because I could eat off it for like a week. Mm-hmm. Now I know like you're going to be like, huh? Huh? Yeah. and I'm be like, what's wrong with you? Gummo. Huh? Sit in front of him and eat it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just, you know, I don't see the appeal of it. It's, it's messy and weird. Delicious. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's, no, it's not like spaghetti is more tasty than eating penne pasta. And penne... But it's can, also it's not like it's any different. It's just, diff- just a different type of noodle. Uh, well, penne is a lot easier to eat, and it actually holds more sauce. So wait a minute. What is it? What is it? Uh, Lady and the Tramp, when they're eating spaghetti, and they, they both suck on the noodle before they kiss? <laughs> right. That's like torture porn to you? <laughs> no, that's like the only good application of spaghetti. If I had Dog experiences... If I had experiences that uh, of eating spaghetti that involved, you know, loved ones or something, they'd have a better. What the fuck? I don't know. You had an ex. You had an ex girlfriend one time that like packed her shit full of spaghetti. He's like, "Come down here and get some." And you're like, "Oh, well, I, I associate spaghetti with good pussy." Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. I no longer associate it with gummo. Thank you. Well, you know, I, it's not like I had any particular animosity towards spaghetti. It's one of these things that once something turns you off of it, you start to see, you, you start to wonder what what was the appeal in the first place? Why did I ever eat spaghetti? There's so many noodle shapes. Like spaghetti is the dumbest one. And, right. I, and I can't think of an advantage. I mean, unless you want to do the lady in the trap thing, what is the advantage of eating your pasta in spaghetti shape? Yeah, Even angel hair is better. I was about to say, yeah. It's what the about same like, thing. It's, it's just thinner. Yeah. It's a, it's a slightly different texture, but it's just still, I'd rather have, you know, any other noodle, uh, bow tie. Fettuccine. Penne. Yeah. I, it, whatever. It's just, it, you know, honestly, it, to me, the noodle, it's never mattered. <laughs> Just like let's see this yeah, conversation going this way. It's more of the sauce, yeah. you know what you do with. And this is a shocker. I almost didn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I'm really trying to think if there's. It is the been... sauce, though, isn't it? Right. The noodles are fucking delivery service. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know I, I'm I'm sitting here trying to think like has there ever been a movie or a television show or something that's turned me off of food and it's like nah. I can't like, think of what, uh, but I mean, if you would, nah, didn't bother me. How's your maggots, Billy? 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, maybe the next time I ate rice after that, I got a little squeaked out by it. But, yeah, it hasn't ruined rice for me. You know, but then if you look at me, you can see that not much food has been ruined for me. So, you know, that's, <laughs> right. there's I've also the, that. I've seen The Exorcist, Exorcist multiple times, and I still enjoy pea soup. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just, eh, eh, whatever. It looks like, it looks like the, that ultra-fake puke that and they had women, from The Exorcist. And women <laughs> masturbating with crucifixes. <laughs> Didn't turn me off of that either. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, the next time I went to my mom's house after watching that movie for the first time and I saw a crucifix hanging on the wall, I was like, hmm. does that thing smell like fish, Ma? And she's like, what? I'm like, never mind. It's just it's, it's too hard, to, too much to get into, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so we kind of got way off track there. <laughs> yeah, we <Yeah>. did. <laughs> but... I did GM. want to talk. Yeah, I did want to talk about GM some more because G, part of GM's announcement was that they are doing these uh, factory closings and moving of manufacturing as part of retooling for a primarily truck and SUV market that they're they're apparently looking at. I mean, this is really no surprise coming after Ford's announcement earlier this year that they were going to stop production on most of their sedans. And, well, I think pretty much all their small cars. Like, I told you, the first thing I saw when I saw this story is like, didn't we see this movie before? The, uh, the we're not going to, everyone wants trucks and SUVs, so that's what we're going to focus on. It wasn't even that long ago. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone wants, everyone wants bigger cars. Like, however big they can make a car, people will buy it as long as they can afford it and it's not going to cost $80 to fill the tank every time. Well, thing is like, I'm just telling right? you, I cannot wait to get rid of my truck. I cannot wait. The $300 tag can suck a dick. The, the, <laughs> the $70 it takes to fill it up can suck a dick. The, I only get a week out of a tank of gas can suck a dick. Like, I don't know why everyone wants all these car, trucks and SUVs. I can't wait to get mine back. Yeah, and you're not alone. I mean, I, there's so many people that I've given rides to in my little Fiesta uh, when I'm working for Lyft that I get and want to talk about, oh, I bet, oh, this thing is so great on fuel, isn't it? Oh, how, oh you get 35 gallons uh, miles per gallon? Oh, that's fantastic. And they're just practically drooling over it. I'm not saying, like, oh, everyone wants to drive a Fiesta, but I think that there's still, like, this large market of people that are that want to drive smaller cars and well, it's like and right after the the ford announcement i was like i was saying, i had just bought a ford and was noticing how many of like roughly the same model year as mine too because you can all the the design is is pretty standard throughout even the the different sizes of, of vehicles you can kind of point out where the the different model years and everybody's driving these things Fusions and Focuses and Fiestas and they're just fucking everywhere. And yeah, there's a lot of trucks and SUVs and all that too. I I wonder how much of this is about that it's 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 not that nobody wants to drive the cars, it's that the primary market wants the SUVs and the trucks. The people who are buying brand new 
and are used to every year, a couple of years, trading in or just doing a lease program on a vehicle and always having a new vehicle. It's the secondary market. That, you know, Everyone who wants a car is probably picking up a three, four-year-old car or later and buying it off of the secondary market. Well, I mean, I can tell you when I had my GMC uh, 1500, that thing had a 350 with a four-barrel carb in it. It was the last year before they before all GMC trucks went to uh, fuel injection. That thing sucked down the gas. The other car that we had was a Dodge Neon. If I didn't need to haul anything, believe me, we took the Neon everywhere we could go because it was just ridiculous. You know, that truck was ridiculous on gas. Right. I mean, and it, to me, if you are possibly going to need to move stuff if you work in construction, if you're in a band, if you do sound or something like that. Yes, you, you're going to need a vehicle that can haul everything. But it, for it to be an everyday vehicle, that's a luxury. You better have a lot of just disposable income to throw into that gas tank just so you can drive around in that thing. And and the tags as well. Yeah. I, I, honestly, the only reason I got it, it was the first time in my life my budget didn't dictate the car that I drove. I actually had a choice. Right. Now it's like, yeah, okay, cool, got that on my system. Can I go back to a tank of gas lasting me like two weeks, please? Well, it's not one of Prius. <laughs> you know, you're right. This is a this is a, a a cycle that we've seen the automotive industry go through. Yes, like, and they said this shit in 2007, and two years later, what the fuck happened? Right. Well, I mean, 2007 was finally coming to realize that. These the hiking gas prices post nine eleven uh, are actually affecting the types of automobiles that they're making, which shouldn't be any big surprise, right? This goes back to the seventies. They're making nothing but huge boats. American car companies are making all boats, and gas prices were soaring. Scarcity was up, and people were buying tiny little hatchbacks. These little, from uh, foreign markets that were really easy on gas. And, yeah, I mean, SUVs and trucks started becoming really big in the 2000s and then started to wane in popularity because of how expensive it was to to fill the tank on them. And so they started, well, we need to start rolling out some more sedans. This is what people are looking for now, looking for com- more compact cars. And then the hybrid technology and alternative fuel technology and all that shit comes along and gas prices start to dip down a little bit. And again, everyone, they're going to buy as big a car as they can afford to maintain. You know, I like driving small cars because I just like small cars. I see no, uh, having a bigger car is just like having more, uh, a bigger target for other assholes to hit. But uh, I, I think the, the market's proven that most Americans, like I said, will drive as big a car as their budget will allow them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Chris on that. You know, I inherited that truck from my dad when he died, and when it was stolen and sh- found stripped like three weeks, month later in Detroit, I was like, "Oh, that's, it's <sighs> a damn shame." Can I get the insurance money for it? Yeah, let me go get something that's a little bit more practical. And and that's what I've stuck with ever since. I I don't feel the need to drive a you know nice truck. Sorry about your penis type vehicle. Yeah. You know, and and I, I, most people I know who who insist on driving those type trucks 
are some of the most insufferable assholes I've ever met. <laughs> we might know one of them. <laughs> might do a podcast with them. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, yeah. I don't, I'm not saying that, it, you know, uh, correlation is causation. I'm not saying that, you know, an asshole has to drive one of those because I've ran into assholes and like, you know, Oh, there's assholes and Priuses, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, enjoying first huff of their own fart because, you know, they just think so highly of themselves. But, uh, yeah, it's – and it, it, here in Michigan, any, any, any cold-weather state where the roads get bad, you always have the assholes who think, I have a big vehicle. I can drive five times the speed limit and be safe. And usually those are the ones that cause the most deaths when they fucking lose yeah. control of their vehicle. No, it, and it's a trope, but it's true. You just – when you skid, all your tires are skidding instead of just two. Out there in Minnesota a couple weeks ago, I had a Tahoe, took a corner a little too quick. Wee, You know, I mean, it's, nobody's there. It's fishtailing like a motherfucker, but I think it all-wheel drive didn't fucking matter. Exactly. So I just – and if GM is going to focus on that, then why am <sighs> – I don't know. Why do I constantly hear in the news about them, you know, bemoaning the fact that, what is it, the Volt? Is that the one that has... Uh, the Chevy Volt? The, yeah. The battery-powered car? Yeah. You know, uh, well, it's, it's the cost of the batteries, but they've dropped 70, you know, they drop 7% every year. So when it hits a certain, when it drops to a, to a certain level of affordability, that's when they'll take over the market. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I just heard a report on NPR that General Motors claims that they're like, you know, a year or two out from that. Like 2020, the price mm -hmm. of the batteries will hit that point. Why aren't they starting to ramp up production of those if that's what they truly believe? And didn't we hear the last couple of years, like the Volt was huge in China? Yeah. Well, I think the, the Volt is... Part of what the Volt and other uh, other cars like this that uh, you know either are battery powered or you know hybrid or some sort, you know, they, none of these have reached the point where they're as cheap as an equivalent vehicle would be if it was just gas powered, right? So, not comparing, you know, if you, uh, whatever, what's the, the the big Toyota model starts with the, the Prius, yes. Yeah. Right, so Prius is just—it's basically a Corolla with a funny back end and a hybrid power system, right? But it's going to be a lot more expensive than your than the Corolla, probably the traditional Corolla. And maybe you'll get some—you know—well, you know, at one point we were—you could get some uh, tax subsidies on that. But ultimately, it, nobody's going to buy a car based on that. They're going to buy the car they think they can afford. But what the Prius and what the Volt does and what, what all these, the production of alternative fuel vehicles does for the car companies is keeps the overall emissions output for their quote-unquote fleet down. It helps average it out. It allows them to continue to make big gas-guzzling trucks because they, all, they just have to show the government, look, all of, across all of our vehicles, this is our average gas consumption. That's what they have to maintain, not vehicle by vehicle. So it's not like we're shooting for all of our vehicles to be 40 miles per gallon. It's no, we have uh, 
this line of vehicles that uses no fuel at all. So now we can have this line that gets 20 miles per gallon. So that's all like the alternative fuel vehicles are just there. So sure. Some people are going to buy some people who want to be, uh, that are, uh, are into the technology of it or into the whole image of it. They want to be seen as green. They feel like they're doing their part, what have you. There's, there's that market, but that market is not that huge. You know, if these, we're just being marketed and sold as uh, to alternative fuel be- fuel vehicles to people who actually cared about that shit. They would have been discontinued already. That's not profitable, but it allows them to make huge SUVs at the same time. That's really what it's doing. It's it's subsidizing the. It's it's like how they uh, do emissions for any uh, uh, large. Company, you know, they don't look at plant by plant what is going out into the atmosphere. They're going, what's the overall for your company? So they can have like, you know, make one really clean refinery for oil or something that has like almost no emissions, and isn't that wonderful? But really, all that's doing it's probably not even making them money. It's allowing them to they're losing money on that plant so that they can make a whole lot more on the rest of the plants that are just belching even more contaminants out into the air. Oh. So they're, there you go. They're going to need a new plant because they're getting rid of the Volt. Yeah. Are, did they, are they getting rid of it completely? Yep. It is bye-bye. I'm kind of surprised by that. I mean, there's, they'll still have... Uh, well, the Volt was the hybrid one, and the Bolt is full-on electric. Are they still making the Bolt with the I V? Think the, I think the, the Bolt died a, a, a really quick death. That's dead already. Yeah. Really? Okay. Check with the internets. That's interesting. But yeah, I mean, so GM is going to just sell big cars and uh, big SUVs and trucks. Ford is going to do the same. That's a great strategy. Which means that they are, well, you know, I think short term, that probably is a good strategy for them. They are going to lean on a reliable product with a reliable market of people who have reliable turnover of their vehicles, who like doing lease programs and like trading their vehicles after a couple years and getting the shiny new model. You know, the same thing that most people do now with their iPhones. You know, but I have to say, by the way, the Bolt still around. My bad. But, well, I I just wanted to finish my thought real quick. Uh, I that will be profitable for them short-term, but what's the long-term plan for that? Because if you can't, like, what do you do then with that two-year-old vehicle? If your secondary market is still interested in buying fuel-efficient, compact vehicles, people are buying a used vehicle, then what do you do with all those SUVs and trucks now that everyone's traded in? Like part of the profit of a lease program for a car company is the idea that they're making a healthy dollar off that vehicle again when they're selling it as pre-owned. Mm-hmm. And oh, I think absolutely. I think that secondary market for all these SUVs is going to dry up because again, the people who need small cars, especially around this area, or you know, on fixed incomes, limited budgets, and want to be able to fill up a tank for twenty bucks, that market's still here. 
Well, I guess so my, we're gonna we're gonna continue to buy Toyotas and Hondas. And my question is, you bring up the long term strategy. What happens when the economy goes in the shitter here in a few years, and everyone gets rid of their SUVs and their trucks? Right, or just gas prices go up because the Saudis do something stupid. Yeah, the the uh, the I, I just the expiration date on the guilt of of uh, you know them doing what they did to that journalist is quickly approaching. So. You know what I'm saying? Like the, oh, yeah, our bad. Sorry. We'll, we'll make sure gas prices are around two twenty nine a gallon here for a little bit. Right. That's coming to an end. You know, that's 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 not anyone who thinks like, oh, this is due to, you know, the president or whatever. It, gas prices have nothing to do with the president. I can't believe that's that's one of those lies that we as a society just kind of all look at each other and go, yeah, we all know it's bullshit, but whatever. Just let people say it. Don't even argue with them. But anyway, I, I want to get back to something you said about the the, the leasing of vehicles. Something I've yeah. all I've noticed with every single fucking person I know that's leased a vehicle is they are handcuffed by. Well, I can't do this because I'll go over my mileage when I turn in my lease. I don't understand that. So why do you have? What's the point of having a vehicle that you can't take and you know do anything besides, you know get up go to work with well I, I like if you want to go on a trip you can't take it because oh i'll fuck up my mileage well yeah, that's but, just, for, but for like a lease a short-term lease of like two years that lease price is really not so much based on the value of the vehicle it's how much wear and tear is expected on that vehicle and yeah, and it's also based on it at least the way gm is how many you can get fifteen thousand a year you can get 12 you can get 10 you can get fucking twenty. You're just gonna pay more, right? That's what and I'm so saying. I think wow. People people get the the low mileage lease program, thinking I'm saving a lot of money, and look at how I can get this car for under two hundred bucks a month. This is great. But then, yeah, they end up paying through the nose when they go to trade it in because they didn't that that budget of miles did not fit their lifestyle. Well, I mean, at least all the insurance companies I've dealt with. When I go to get auto insurance, you know they calculate between ten and twelve thousand miles a year as average use, and it seems like lease leasing. Oh, their average use is somewhere between like seven and you know nine thousand miles a year. No, that's not GM. Like the lowest you can go is ten. I don't know. I, I, I once again because these are people that I don't really know all that well. I don't ask them their business, but I mean you know if you ask them. Hey, can uh, I get a you know a ride to the you know store that's a mile and a half away? Oh man, oh mileage on my lease, man, I can't do it. Are you, you fucking know, kidding me? Well, those are really? people who don't know how much they drive. It sounds I, like too. I can imagine you're saying like seven, eight thousand miles in a year. I can see uh, maybe a company like Jaguar or BMW going with a, a low mileage lease program like that because maybe that's not the car you take out every day. Maybe you have the Beamer to take out on the weekends to show off but you're not even hardly fucking driving it in the winter time. Maybe so you that, have cheap friends, Rich. That, that kind of makes sense if you wanted to lease it as a, like a secondary luxury vehicle but if you're everyday vehicle, yeah, I mean, if anyone's offering you under 10,000 miles, don't take it. You're going to end up fucked over on that deal. Uh, I think it's a little bit of what you just said, and Chris, ding, ding, yes, a lot of what you just said. <laughs> what did you like, say? Mile and a half is going to break you? 
Yeah, uh, it's 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 people that didn't really take into account how much they drive, and then it's also uh, the, a lot of my friends are just cheap bastards. <laughs> so you know, it's like, eh, yeah, I can't drive. It's like, really? Okay, all right. No, trust me, I made that mistake when I was young. I leased a car when I was delivering pizzas. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. God damn. Put it this way, I I had to find a a crazy incentive program for my next car and I had to buy it. <laughs> because yeah, it it, 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 was, and it was ignorance on my part. Oh yeah, 12,000 at great. Yeah, well, I'm like 23 and I drive everywhere and I drive for a living. So, that's a bad call on my part. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, due to the nature of uh, the environments most of my friends grew up in, um, we hit adulthood with these problems a little bit later in life, you know, usually in our early 30s. So, you know, at that point in time when we were all around that age, you heard a lot of bitching and moaning about, Jesus fucking Christ, man, 23 cents a fucking mile and I go over it, this is bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what? First of all, why are you leasing? You don't make that type of money. Buy a fucking hoopty. What are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, not a hoopty, but you get you get my point. Like, buy just buy yeah. a reliable used car. That's the money you make. You're 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 living like you make like yeah. six figures. You don't. Hey, I mean, you make eighteen grand a year. Why do you have a car payment? Yes. Leasing is fine if you make enough where you don't care if you're just going to have a car payment for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's not an issue, and you always want to have a new vehicle. But other than that, I mean, it makes no sense at all. But, you know, that's, again, with these low-mileage leases, they can entice people. They go, oh, well, what can I afford to buy? Oh, it's 200 bucks a month for a Ford Focus. Or it's 200 bucks a month to lease a Jaguar? Oh, I want to drive the Jaguar, right? Only when you get done paying it, it's probably an averaged out more like 400 bucks a month to drive that Jaguar. Yeah, because they don't think about and you don't own any of it. <laughs> and they don't think about it. Trust me, it's a mistake I made with the truck. You're not thinking about the tag. You're not thinking about your insurance going up. You're not thinking about how much this thing needs gas. You're just thinking about oh, I'm only this much a month. That's yeah, another thing for the factor, payment. Right? Yeah, our economy is doing fairly well right now, but it looks like we might be on the precipice of another recession. And it's not just about. How that you know it costs fifty to eighty dollars to fill up the tank for the SUV or the or the truck. It's how much more expensive the maintenance is, the tires, just all the parts in general, uh, the the tag on it because it's all it's based on weight. I would guess in many states like it is in Michigan, the bigger the car you have, the more you're going to pay on that thing when you go to register it. Well, I know in the so in all the, of that adds up. I mean, this it, is uh, yeah, this is going to be this is a short-sighted plan for both GM and Ford. Well, I mean, that's what Americans we excel at. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but, plan for the long term. Why would we do that? Right. Well, I mean, yeah. if you had a if you had a daddy who could come in. And every time that you fucked up in life, just went, oh, that's all right. Here's a few thousand dollars to keep you on your feet. Uh, send me your new address. Then, you know, why would you make any long-term plans? Yeah, I have a friend who drives. Especially like, if your daddy's never going to die. Right? I, <laughs> your daddy's the American government. It's Uncle Sam. <clears throat> Uncle Sam ain't going anywhere anytime soon, right? They'll be there to bail us out no matter what we do. Yeah, but, you know. 
look, if you're constantly being bailed out by your creepy Uncle Sam, eventually you should have to sit on his lap. All right? <laughs> you know, like, come on now. All right? You, 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 God damn it, you knew where that money came from. You knew the deal. You know, don't, don't start this shit of getting shocked when he's like, okay, now it's time for you to play hide the pickle with your uncle. And he's like, I don't think, you go, I don't think so. Uh, no, it's, it's time. Okay. <laughs> Not only did you name this podcast, but I think you coined a phrase for our uh, <laughs> podcast going forward. Creepy Uncle Sam. <laughs> I love it. But no, I have a friend who he's he just turned 30. He drives a big gas guzzling motherfucking car or, or, or SUV. Uh, it's not registered in his name. It's not insured in his name. And anytime he gets a ticket, mommy and daddy pay it. So their insurance doesn't go up. And I'm like, dude, and he's, you know, why does it take you so long? Get someplace. Uh, Because my parents are dead, cocksucker. Okay, I can't call anybody and go, oh, yeah, uh, gee, um, I can't afford for my insurance to go up. So can I switch the car over to your name, put it, insure it in your name? And, oh, by the way, could you make a few calls and get this ticket taken care of? It doesn't work that way for a lot of people. And it's just, it's amazing to me. You're 30. You're 30, and you still think like a fucking 16-year-old when it comes to that shit. Grow the fuck up. I mean, and believe me, if I'm telling you to grow the fuck up, you need to grow the fuck up. Trust me. <laughs> All right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, like when, it's like when you get kicked out of Guns N' Roses for doing too many drugs. <laughs> when, a guy named Slash, too much. Yeah, when a guy named Slash tells you you have a drug problem, it's time to reevaluate what you've done with your life. Yeah. You know... I, I'm lucky enough to, well, have two alive parents, but also uh, you know, parents that have, even in my adult life, have stepped in and helped me out here and there. But it's never been something that I've relied on. Yeah, you're not and, counting on it. And, it's, and Yeah, it's not a source almost, of income. And almost every, I'm, I'm like trying to roll it back in my head, and I, I'm pretty sure that every time that I've, asked my father to help me out with something it's been because somebody else has stepped in and went maybe it's time to see if somebody can help you out with this you know <laughs> like somebody had to like sit me down and go like this is you're not moving forward here you need a little bit of help I, like i have i still have too much pride to like even hey, think fake, of of fake mom of having, well, yeah, sometimes it's mom. It's like, you know, if your dad, if you asked your dad for money, he would give it to you, you know, <laughs> shit like that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I guess having a sense of pride and self worth is like, I don't know. I, I guess it's a, those are evil terms now. Yes. They're, they're not, they're not virtues anymore in a lot like of people's accountability. Lives. No, because accountability means you have to go, you know what, I fucked up. And you have to look at how, how why you fucked up, and well, you have to make adjustments. Word. Mm-hmm. But, what, but it's so much easier to, to be a victim. Yes. It's so much easier just to yell, you're victimizing me. How dare you do this? You know, I mean, and it's like, well, all right, well, what does that breed? All right. Well, yeah, I mean... Aaron and I were talking about on the Weedsman about uh, how the millennials love to whine like we're broke and it's not our fault. Well, actually, kind of, you know, like it's they're 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 blaming and you know, 
every generation blames the generation before them, but no. You know, maybe if you didn't spend $2,000 on a three-day music festival, maybe you could afford something like rent but or it's a more car. Important. It's, but, see, those are things. They want experiences, Chris. Those are what, that's what, those are priceless, even though there's a price to, to be put on them, that they're willing to pay it for those experiences. Those are a house, a car. These are just things. And ultimately, if you've been told all your life you're special, you're entitled to this, then you, you go, well, of course I'm always going to have a roof over my head. No one yeah, thinks they're going to be never moving out. <laughs> no one thinks they're going to be homeless until they're living in their car. And no one thinks they're going to ever be living under a, a, a Vidoc until they can't afford their car or their car gets towed or they get too many tickets for sleeping in parking lots in their car. You know, they want experiences, but they don't seem to be willing to put themselves in the moment of that experience either, right? Yeah. It's like, I want this, I want an experience, I want to travel. I go to Paris, what do I do in Paris? I get in line, find out what my friends are doing back home, and send them a bunch of pictures of me in Paris. Yeah, <laughs> look look at me, yeah. standing in line. Like, you can't even live in the moment. Well, you know, I've, I, I, I have a friend, her and her husband went to, uh, to see Stonehenge, right? Uh-huh. Nope. Now, Wasn't every it as picture, big as they thought it was? Every picture of Stonehenge you see, it's just, you know, like you see the, 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 the rocks and, and, and you're like, oh, that's cool. The reality when you get there is there's a path that is roped and, and fenced off that you have to stay on. You never get as close as those people that took those pictures. It's so actually really tiny, like in Spinal Tap. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're squinting <laughs> and you're like, you're like there, was, there was a Stonehenge in danger of being crushed by a dwarf, you know, it's like <laughs> you're squinting. Like I think about like a half a mile out. There it is. Get the camera. What's the zoom like on it? Ah, I zoomed in too much. It's all pixelated. Fuck. I can't get a picture. And then at, at the end of the little, the little, you know, line that you have to walk along the fence, they go, Oh, you want a picture of it here? Here's an eight by 10 for $50. Right. Oh, well, that's mighty Caucasian. You, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I'm glad I had this experience. Get the fuck out of my face. And, uh, you know, something else I've noticed. I'm glad you, uh, <laughs> we're, in my, we're in my wheelhouse this week because I've been hearing, I, I don't know why, but I've been hearing a lot of, you know, complaining from the uh, younger generation and us, the millennials. And something I've noticed is Aaron and I talked about this a few days ago off the air. Um, Chuck Palahniuk, that's how you pronounce his name, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. I, I always mingle his last name. Yes. Yeah, it's called Fight Club guy. Um, you know, he wrote in Fight Club that, you know, basically Gen X is the middle children of history. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, uh, history, it's not looking good for us. We're going to be the forgotten generation. It's going, it's going to go the greatest generation, baby boomers, millennials. There might be a paragraph of, you know, and then there was this generation who didn't do as well as their parents, and blah, 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 and that's it. And what I've noticed is the, the age range for Gen Xers has stayed the same, but either the baby boomers are trying to get the older Gen Xers to be like, no, 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 you're on the cusp of being a baby boomer, or the millennials are trying to get the younger Gen Xers, no, no, you're a zillennial. Yeah, mm -hmm. someone's tried to spew that bullshit at me. Yeah, go fuck yourself, okay? Yeah. I'm not joining your fucking club so you have more numbers to play victimhood. 
Well, I, I'm not sp- doing it. I think that speaks to the kind of forgotten middle, middle child state of Gen Xers. Like, we don't feel like we have this cohesive identity. So it is kind of easy to just divide us up into which one of us are closer to the boomers and which are closer to millennials. Well, the problem is I got a real issue with playing second fiddle to other people. You didn't, you know, it's like the old blues song. You didn't want me till your other man was gone. Right. Well, like you didn't, you didn't give a fuck about me one way or the other. You didn't even give a fuck about me enough to blame your problems on and go, oh, it's these fucking Gen Xers. What the, f-? no, no, you went straight to the baby boomers. These fucking baby boomers ruined our lives. <laughs> now all of a sudden you want me to get, get in your camp so you can, you can fluff your numbers up and fluff your stats. Fuck you. Rot motherfucker. Oh, well, there's also, I mean, these terms for generations that we use uh, are, are ways that we can easily reference the way that our society has grown, and it's easy slots that we can put it, people into. But as far as science is concerned, this is like one step removed from astrology. Right. You know, as far as like what it tells you or like... or yeah, That the arbitrary year you were born somehow influences your personality. Yeah, I can see that. Right or to me, it's to me, it's or, or like when, whatever the the Chinese astrology is. You know, you're born in a certain year. Everyone born in these years is the year of the rat or whatever. I mean, what is it? It doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> like, to me, it's not I, the year you the, were born it's, influences. It's not the year you were born influences your personality. It's the culture at the time you were born into. And that's a shared experience yes. of people of a certain age. No, okay. absolutely. And, I, and I'm not discrediting that side of it. it. I'm just saying, like, on an individual level, it doesn't really mean that much to me. There's, I don't personally, like, strongly identify as a Gen Xer. I just understand that that's my classification. Yeah, and I'm not constantly looking out for... Uh other Gen Xers to right. identify with just, and validate my opinions. Right. And just like, you know, I, I know that my astrological sign is Leo. I don't really think that means anything. I mean, sure. I meet other Leos. I'm like, Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, yeah, I, you know, I just love Doug Stanhope's take on it. He's like, I'm so sick of this. Oh, that's my Scorpio coming out. I'm sorry. Like, no, fuck you. Don't act like if your parents fucked a month earlier or later, you'd be letting everything slide because you're just like, oh, well, I'm not a Scorpio. I'm an Aries, and that's, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. No, bullshit. You're an asshole, and that's what yeah. it is. And you're just looking for a reason to rationalize you being an asshole. And right. because some a sexually unsatisfied fucking housewife sat down and put some fucking bullshit on a piece of paper and 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 sold it to you for 40 bucks and called it your horoscope. Oh, well, this validates everything I fucking feel. And so, it's all and it's all based on the arrangements of stars, right? Which is only an arrangement that is seen from our perspective here on Earth, right? You go anywhere else in the fucking universe and you don't see co- the same constellations. No, and half these stars are dead now by the time the light reaches us. <laughs> so you, you're literally, you're, your personality is set by, by things that haven't existed for billions of years. Congratulations. That's even more bullshit than a talking snake. It, it really is. Like, we can at least teach a monkey to sign language Maybe we could fucking, you know, through CRISPR, get a snake to talk one day. That might be, it might happen. But you're going to tell me a star that burned out 
before there was even a single-celled microbe on Earth is deciding who you are? You're a fucking idiot. I don't, you I look, I'll tell you for free. You're an idiot. That's who you are. There you go. All right? Cost you nothing. This now one's on the house. Life. Yeah, this is it. Shit. I'll even buy you a drink so it can set in. I mean, like, boom. Like, oh, I am an idiot. God damn. I mean, it's just, it's irritating because I, I, when I talk to, when I talk to a lot of people who are younger than me, I see the progression happening and I just look at them and I go, I, I can't say anything to you because you're going to deny it because everybody denies it. Everybody thinks we're going to be the ones that change shit. No, no, you're not. There's going to be, there's going to be exceptional people from any generation from any age group that are going to do exceptional things. Right. His, I mean, like hitting the lottery twice in two days type odds, you ain't going to be one of them. So you're going to, yeah. you're going to sell the fuck out. Then you're going to lie to yourself and say, no, I didn't sell out. I bought in because that's how you can sleep at night. And you're going to just like the hippies went to be yuppies and the, the free love generation became the me generation and all this shit, you're going to do the exact same fucking things. It's just, that is just how, how shit works, period. Unless you are one of those rare air, very on-the-margin people who just have such a disregard for their, maybe it's their own personal safety, maybe it's it's comfort, they don't care about it, they just, they wake up in the morning and they're so single, they're, they're like they're like autistic almost in their single-mindedness about a certain subject that they have to do something about that. Most people aren't those type of people, though. For most people, it's more important that the lights come on when you flip the switch. Yeah. You got heat in the winter. That you open That's, the refrigerator and it, it's not just condiments sitting there. I like living inside. I like climate control. I'm not ashamed to say it. I like having a car that I know is going to start. You know, and that's one of the things that, that I, I got into a conversation with Todd about because Todd, you know, will go on the road and, you know, like, you know, at one point we, him and I were having a discussion and it was it, it was kind of heated, but it wasn't like we were like arguing. It was just we were we were very passionate about making our points. And he was like, well, I can live in the weeds for two weeks with a sleeping bag. Can you say that? And I'm like, no, because I don't fucking want to. <laughs> yeah, why, exactly. do I, why do I ha why am I an asshole? Because I want to yeah. fucking open a refrigerator and be able to make a sandwich. Haven't we said this a million times? Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. This is. I, this is something that I was thinking about the other day because I was reading the latest issue of Oblivion Song. And to explain, Oblivion Song is a comic by Robert Kirkman, who's uh, obviously most famous for The Walking Dead. And much like Walking Dead, it, it it's a personal story, but it's really telling the story about society, right? So in Walking Dead, the story is about how do you rebuild society. If you could start over again from scratch, how would you do so? What would it look like? And what decisions that you would make that were the same as when you were in the previous society and what would be different? These are where the more interesting stories from The Walking Dead come from. In Oblivion Song, the story isn't uh, an apocalyptic one. There's an event it's basically like alternate dimensions, right? So if you have... Uh, 
this guy inv- invents this machine that teleports a segment of Philadelphia into onto another planet full of monsters, and nobody really can even figure out where they went. So it's kind of like the leftovers, right? A bunch of people disappear, and uh, it's, it's this big mystery. Punching horses. Well, they uh, they rich gets it. They, they eventually they eventually uh, start finding these people. They get back to the they get to this other dimension. They find these people are living on this weird alien planet full of monsters, and start bringing them back. And then there's this conflict because one of the the leaders of this group that has been living for this last decade on this totally hostile planet is fighting for his right to stay there because well in from his perspective yeah it was it may have been tough to start off with but they adapted and they live in a small society where everyone's equal where nobody's worried about how much money they're making or what car they're driving or anything like this everyone's contributing everyone in his in his small tribe is happy and content you know they did they might live in a more dangerous situation, but they don't necessarily live in fear either. And uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it is like a, a, a easy black or white question. Like which way is 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 the better way to live? I think it speaks more to the power of humans to adapt to any situation. But well, yeah, it, I, I mean, the idea that like I do. Well, because uh, this is interesting to me because I do actually think a lot about this. You know, when I was reading uh, Sapiens by uh, Noah Harari, and it's talking about how civilization came about, and there's a lot of talk about how do you measure happiness and what is happiness, right? And by most measures of happiness, a a pre-industrialized and a pre-farming uh, society seemed to be happier day-to-day. Yeah, but you they, died at 30. Right. They lived shorter lives. They lived harder lives, but they were happier. I don't know. I, like I said, it's not a, a yes or no thing. Like, I, I don't even know. If, I, if you were raised in that society, you wouldn't know any different, right? But if you just took yourself now and put you in that situation, there's... There's no way we would thrive. Like, okay, sure, Todd maybe knows enough to figure out which berries aren't going to kill him. But I mean, as much of an adventurous spirit he may believe himself to have, I think he's either just going to go crazy or kill himself or come back to society, right? Those are his options. Well, it's also probably easier that, to do when you know you got a place you're going back to. I mean, sure, I think they, maybe there's a part of him that just is uh, a loner mountain man for the rest of his lives and, and finds fulfillment in that and lives a happy life. But I think more likely now with a brain and body that have already been broken by modern society, he's going to be itching for something like a cigarette. First of all, well, and again, you don't see him do it. You don't see him doing it permanently. He's still, right. still got a place to go back to. Yes. Well, I think you you have you still have that safety net of society. You don't have it's not the Walking Dead where you're like, this is my life now. I have to make this work. Well, it's Mandy brought it brought up a good point. The other I don't even know how we got out of this conversation, but when drug addicts know that they're eventually going to get their fix, yeah, I'd kick it two, three, four weeks, whatever you you know, whatever I need. 
that they know that, you know, at the end of the tunnel, they're getting their fix. You know, that probably kind of same thing with Todd. Yeah, I can live with Bush two weeks, but knowing, knowing I'm going back to my, you know, to living indoors, climate control, food in the fridge, you know, you'll make do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you hit us, hit upon something that, that's rather interesting and, and I, you know, it's, it's not an original thought on my end. I've heard many people, sociologists, whatever, say this, you know, especially in the social media era and the deeper in it we get. <clears throat> when, when you were talking about people born like, you know, pre-industrial revolution, whatever, yes, they only lived to 30, but they seem to live happier lives because they didn't, they didn't have anything to compare it to. You compared to, you compared right. to your neighbors, and if your neighbors were in pretty much the same situation as you, then you saw your situation as normal. We now see the whole spectrum of what's out there. We see people living with so much that they, I mean, they could literally wipe their ass with $100 bills and would never feel the pain of just we, flushing that money down the toilet. We lust after things that aren't even fucking possible. Exactly, yeah. Right? We sit around and dream about getting superpowers. <laughs> I mean, but it, like, it's, we're, it's, we're not even just dreaming about like, oh, man, if I had his money, oh, if I could drive a car like that. Well, it's, it's when you have that comparison and the comparisons are completely unrealistic, mm-hmm. how do you expect people to fucking be happy? And when you when we've really stopped going you understand that this isn't reality right that this i'm not talking about like you know wishing for superpowers i'm talking about looking at these like sheiks and their and with their oil money and their children and going that's just not that's just not a reality that's going to happen for you mm-hmm. okay th- that didn't those people didn't work hard for that it was just by pure luck that their family was in power when they were born in the area where they were that had that resource that they could exploit and make money off of. There was well, no hard work involved in that. Right. This isn't this isn't the people that did, this isn't there will be blood. This isn't these aren't the people that went out and were drilling in the in the fucking in the desert hoping to find something. These are people that were born into this. This is the this is generation after generation after generation of wealth handed down. This is the end result that you're looking at and you go, "Why can't my life be like that?" Because you were born where the fuck you were born, period. End of fucking story. Now, if you want to aspire to be upper middle class, that's something that it's, it's not as easy as, it, as, as a lot of people portray it to be, but it is an achievable goal, you know? I, I think that uh, it kind of begs the question, like, what is happiness even worth? What, it's something that we prize as people, but this version of happiness that, especially when we look at... Uh, when we talk about people, you know, uh, being more content before pre-civilization, right? Because they didn't have the desires, because they didn't even know that the desires were there to be had, right? They were just completely ignorant of it. They they lived the lives they they lived, and they did it as best as they could. You know, they tried to catch the the deer. They tried to run faster than the tiger. Hopefully they succeeded in both, and then they kept going. But, but if happiness is contentment, contentment has never been the way of humans. If we were content, we would have we would have been content with learning that as chimpanzees we can stick a tree, or we can stick a, a twig in a hole in, a, in the in the ground and come out with ants and just eat ants all day. Yeah, right? 
Yeah, if we were content, this wouldn't be happening right now because right. I wouldn't have this computer in front of me. The recording technology wouldn't exist. Yes, if we if we produce nothing but content people, we wouldn't have farmed. We wouldn't have mass produced anything. We wouldn't have created all of this. And I guess big picture, maybe you can make an argument against that as well. Like, okay, so maybe that's just what we need. Is it just to be content with what we needed to survive and not have to grow? But that's not who we are. That's not the reality, right? We can argue all day about good or bad, but we still have to face what is. And what is is that we are a species that is based on exploration and adaptation and not being content. So, I mean, maybe happiness as contentment is something that, it's like some people think of it as some nirvana state that you achieve, right? If I live the right life and and, uh, exercise and meditate and have family and things that make me happy, I can create this permanent happiness that I can live in. But happiness is not a permanent state. Happiness is recognizing when you're in a content state. And contentment isn't always a bad thing or a good thing. You know, there's certain periods where you need to just go, okay, I need to be a little bit appreciative for all the things that I do have. And I can be happy in that. And then I can also look at all the things that I think that I can achieve. And even that, I'm, I think that's where, that's the happiness that people, most people are missing out on, right? The happiness of setting goals. Of, yeah. the, the happiness involved in the process of achieving something. And, you know, I can understand, like, you know, not, a, not everything is just achieving it and like it's bam, overnight, right? Most things that you want to achieve, you know, if you want a degree and so you want to be a doctor, you got to go to school for a hell of a long time, right? And so three and a half years into seven years of going to school for being a doctor, you're, you're looking at it like, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm losing, I'm losing my train of thought here and I, think, I feel like I'm going off track. Well, we got well, pretty existential here in the last half hour. Well, to, 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 to completely change the subject, but it, I guess it is along the lines of he was doing something that he thought was going to make him happy, and how did that end up working out for him? I think we've got to talk about this missionary dude. Who yeah, went to that is where I wanted to get back to because that kind of ties into a lot of things that we're talking about with civilization and, and modern uh, views of it. All right, now, Chris, you know the name of the island. I, I, that I don't know off the top of my head. North Sentinel Island. Uh, it's an uh, island off the southern coast of India. Mm-hmm. And he was a missionary, correct? Yeah, I have to, I have to read you this story. Like, All right, yeah. Th- th- this, this pretty much, this story sums up why I'm not fucking religious. Because this guy's, shit, th- this guy's religion got him killed. He wanted to bring these people Jesus. I swear to fucking God. Let me find the New York Times story, even though they're failing. Uh, well, well there, is, there is one piece of interesting uh, aside. Apparently, there was a ship that wrecked on like the beach of this island. And the people that lived there stripped the ship and learned to make arrowheads out of the metal from this ship. Now that's going to, that, that plays a role in what happened to him later on because, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's just a case of like, Hey, uh, Unfufu, what's that fucking thing on the beach? I don't know. Let's go over there. 
ow, I cut myself on it. Well, hey, if we could strip this and turn them into arrowheads, we could fuck up any Christian missionaries that come up on our island mm-hmm. <laughs> real well. Yeah, yeah. North Sentinel Island, it's a forbidden island in the and A-N-D-A-M, Andaman Sea. <laughs> it's, it's a long history of repelling outsiders. Uh, it's home to one of the last undiluted hunter and gatherer societies. So, like, for real, there's, there's like... Uh, humans, pretty much you go on this island, they kill you. Yeah, it's like Cannibal Holocaust and, and Green Inferno all, all, all rolled into one. Yeah, like so he, any explanation of why this guy thought that he was special? Like what? Because he was why? carrying the word of Christ, and, yes. and, and God will protect him. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he knew the risk, and that's why he's being hailed as a martyr by certain sects of Christianity. He sacrificed himself to spread the good news. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you know, this is the type of Christian behavior that I'm all for. As a matter of fact, I think you're joking. If you think that you can just uh, go to Mexico and, and preach the word of God, like, you should all be going to the most dangerous, literally God-forsaken places on earth to preach your message. Well, the problem is have some situational awareness, okay? If you show, or just go out there, preach, and die. I don't care. (laughs) Well, if you show up (laughs) and they're like, and they're like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, come on in, and you're sitting there and you're, you know, you're reading to them from the Bible, but you see like there's like four guys gathered around a a, a stew pot that would fit a human, and they're like testing the sharpness of a machete, looking at you, smacking their chops. Probably get the fuck out of there. You know what I'm saying? Or, or at that point, it's really probably too late. But I mean, you know, have some situational awareness here. And if you're going to go in and be like, well, I don't care what happens to me. God will protect and everything is God's will. Then uh, let me ask you a question. Why is anyone in his family who believes that crying? Why are they upset? Why do they want his, why are they, they saying we need to go in there and, and risk more violence to retrieve his body? It's God's will, right? Yeah. But first of all, he's 26, so throw him in the millennial basket. He probably wanted the fucking experience. Uh, he made two or three trips to the island by canoe from November 15th, making contact with the tribe but returning to his boat. He told the fishermen on November 16th. He, he, he paid a bunch of fishermen to get him close to the island, and then he went from there. Uh, he said he, wouldn't, he would not come back from the island and instructed them to return home and pass on some handwritten notes he had made to a friend. Next morning, they saw his body being dragged across the beach and buried in the sand. <laughs> the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, as this, a, personally, as an atheist member of this human gene pool, I salute you. <laughs> this, yeah. I'm not but, saying that people with really heartfelt religious beliefs should die. And I'm just saying this. that... It's not necessarily making our gene pool less healthy by getting rid of some of the fanatics. Uh, one of the notes that he passed on said, doing this to establish the kingdom of Jesus on the island. Do not blame the natives if I am killed. I'm actually, no, I, he was killed by a bunch of bows and arrows. They fucking killed you, dude. Um, and yeah. Just how crazy this place is. In 2006, two fishermen who strayed onto the island were killed and their bodies never recovered. An Indian Coast Guard helicopter sent to retrieve the bodies was repelled by a volley of arrows from the community. Like, this is like shit out of movies. 
Yes, absolutely. It's it's like that movie <laughs> Green Inferno, where all those those idealistic uh, college kids, you know, are like, we're going to go to this this tribe and 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 save them from the evil corporations that are trying to impose upon their land. And they get there and they they capture them and they start chopping them up and eating them alive because yeah. you're an outsider. You're not one of us. You're dinner. Yep. Yeah. So I couldn't, as, I couldn't finish watching that movie, by the way. <laughs> So as we, as we so were literally one leg gets hacked off, I'm like, nah, nah I'm good on this. Yeah, I mean, you know, because they they grab the one guy and like, you know, they start literally digging his eyes out of his head while he's alive and eating them, and the rest of them are sitting in a cage. At that point, I'm looking over to the guy next to me and going, "You got the balls to kill me?" Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, I'm mm-mm, no, no, find, find something. Give me your shoelaces. <laughs> I'm gonna hang myself somehow. I don't know. Fuck this. That whole situation reminds me of Rambo. You got any weapons? No, you're not changing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it. But it's so. But are you guys for the society being? I mean, basically, they're just defending their way of life, right? Yeah, he was an outsider. They're an isolated civilization. What the fuck did you think would happen? All right, look. Here's the deal. It was a well-established. This isn't. He wasn't the first person who accidentally stumbled upon this group of people and it was like, oh shit, you know, I had no idea they were like this. He willingly went. Exactly. If you know you're not welcome and the punishment for that in their society is death and you go, you can't be shocked by what the outcome is. Right. I mean, like, I understand certainly you should blame the natives because they killed him, right? But this is also... The equivalent of like, I'm going to climb inside of this boa constrictor's mouth, and if he digests me, which I don't believe he'll do, I believe God will prevent me from being digested while I'm inside of him. I'll just be pooped out the other side whole. But if he does digest me and poops out my skeleton, don't blame the boa constrictor. Like, no, you're right. I don't blame the boa constrictor. I blame the idiot who thought Jesus would protect him from being digested. Well, yeah, and uh, if no missionaries have ever made it to that island, what the fuck makes you think you're special? And again, he's 26, so, you know, do the millennial math. Well, he's 26. He's got a head full of mythology that tells him that miracles happen, even though they happen at a very uh, extremely reduced rate once we, you know, invented things like, you know... Uh, it, the way to take pictures and, and video, all of a sudden, miracles aren't happening 15,000 times a day all of a sudden. I, I, I know that I can't, well, certainly not anymore since the guy's dead, but even when he was alive, I, can't, I couldn't reach into his brain and pull out his thoughts. But I'm guessing that this came from less of a place of religious faith and more from a place of self-aggrandizement. This idea that I'm going to be the one to get through to these people. Right. That there was something special about him. That he, you know, he was worthy of this this ultimate challenge, right? <laughs> this is extreme uh, proselytizing or, or extreme missionary work. Ult- I'm, not, I'm not just going to, if I, I'm special, I'm going to be somebody. So if I'm going to be a missionary, I'm going to be the... Most extreme, whacked out, hip. <laughs> what does Homer say when he's talking about Poochie? 
Oh, it's, it's, it's a bunch mind. of ninety slang. Yeah. In your face. Yeah. I'm gonna be the most in your face missionary. Yeah. <laughs> I just think this is another installment of our favorite game on this show. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah. Yeah. I no no shedding tears for him over here. I mean I it, it, look. If you're told specifically or you're warned, don't come here. You're not welcome. This is what will happen. And you insist on showing up. Whether or not whether or not it's right or wrong what happened to you, you can't claim some sort of like, I had no idea. This isn't fair. Um how much more fair do you need it to be? You were given fair warning. Stay the fuck away. You're not <laughs> welcome here. Right. This wasn't like, oh, you shouldn't have wore that dress to the party. It was like somebody called you up and said, you wear that red dress to the party. I'm raping your ass. <laughs> and this guy's and, like, when and where? And you showed up in the red dress and no underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With like, with like four inch stiletto heels, bright red hair, bright red lipstick, like Push anything red you could find. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just he's in full drag in all red talking about, hey, I hope I don't get raped. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it's just, I don't know. I, I've, I have family who feel that, you know, the highest calling of their religion is to basically get rid of all their worldly possessions and go spread the word of God. And it's like, okay, well, if that's what you feel is your calling, you go do it. But you have to understand that. I don't have to fucking sit there and, you know, thumbs up everything you fucking do. God knows they don't thumbs up everything I do. And that's kind of that's kind of my issue with these type of people because I do have firsthand experience dealing with a, a certain group of Christians who f go under the banner of Christian Missionary Alliance. And their whole thing is to spread the word of God. And they really, really think that they are entitled to do that while judging everybody else, but no one better judge them. Oh, that's... Also... Welcome, welcome to religion. You know, missionaries that claim to do this in the name of God, why do you give a shit what anybody else thinks about what you're doing because if God sees you, right? But it seems like there's a big... There's a high importance on being seen doing this work, being seen as somebody who does do this work. Okay, well, let me let me tell you a quick story. So, I uh, one of the pastors of, of CMA, the Christian Missionary Alliance, um, I had to deal with, and you know, on like like because of the relationship I was in at that time, and as a person, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to derail you, but can we just define this group a little bit? This is a church. Yes, it's a, it's, a they, it's 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 a it's a if you ask them what they are, what denomination are, they go Christian. Okay. But the point is, is that they they have a college and they and they 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 train people to essentially go spread the word of of God to people who okay. might not have it. Okay. Okay. So this pastor was basically killing time in the area he was in until him and his wife could be assigned a missionary position wherever they you know ended up eventually going. Well. They had to because, do reverse cowgirl all the time until then. I guess. I, <laughs> they, froggy style was off the plate, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I hit, a, hit a rough patch. And this pastor and I got along on a person-to-person -person level, as long as we really didn't start getting too deep into 
religion and theology. And, you know, he, he made a, at the time, what was presented to me as a, as a selfless offer of a gift to help me, which was I needed to get from one part of the country to another. He was like, I'll buy your bus ticket. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. All right. No point was it like, and you'll pay me back, and I'm going to compound the interest and, and put it into the principal and charge you, and you're going to pay points, and I'm going to charge you what big. that mouth do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it was no prison shit at any point. And then a few months later, not even him, but someone on his behalf contacts me and is like, hey, you know, you owe him this money. And I'm like, uh, why? That was, he, that was never discussed. First of all, I don't have it. I'm still in the process of trying to get back on my feet. Second of all, why am I talking to you about this? Why is he not calling me? Why is he not writing me with this? And that's when I found out that like the, the, the attitude, and this was not just limited to him, but this was the people who were part of the, the, the CMA church, was, well, you were helped, and apparently like it was, I was supposed to see the light or something if he helped me, and because I didn't see the light, I now owed him that money back. And I'm like, take me to court. I don't give a fuck. I don't have it. I'm not going. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to not pay rent and live on the street so I can send him back his measly 125 bucks. It's not fucking happening. And then this is what I got. Well, he's he's a selfless missionary pastor. He doesn't have that type of money. Well, then why the fuck did he give it to me? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like it, there's there's it, that's when I, I I I I literally on the phone with this person said. So basically, what you're telling me is. Even with God, Jesus, and all that bullshit, there's no such thing as a free lunch. You want your pound of flesh. Fuck you. And I hung up the phone. That was the last I ever heard about it. Well, not the last I ever heard about it. I heard uh, about a year later down the road, he was very upset with me. And I was like, well, me and my ass, or he was upset with my ass. And I said, well, me and my ass, he knows where to find me. He can come fucking find me, and we can have this discussion. And if that's not good enough, we can get in some other shit. This uh, anything else. This, this takes a particular set of balls. To, you know, I'm not saying that this person has big balls. They have just the right size balls, right? They're big enough to make an issue out of it, but not big enough to confront you personally on it, right? To have some emissary, some third party approach you. Yeah, I was going to say, he's the opposite of balls. He has a vagina because he made someone else do all the... The, the hard work. He made someone else do now, all his dirty work. Now, see, if he had small balls, he would go, oh, I was hoping he would pay me back, but I guess not. And then never mention it. Oh, but he took the gutless route. Like, what? It, it's fine to, you know, when, you know, when, it, when he's out there, it needs to look good, uh, loan rich the money. Oh, that's fine. When it comes time to collect, yeah, we'll get someone else to do that. Like, that's, but see, that was a gutless thing. move, man. The word loan was never used. In fact, I, at the first the first two times he made the offer of, I'll pay for the ticket, I refused him because I said, look, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to be in a position to pay you back. Because to be brutally honest with you, I don't know if I'll ever see you again. And his words were, don't worry about it. And somehow three months later, hey, where's my where's his money? And it's like, first of all, are you trying to shake me down? What are you going to do? I'm not come even in the state. Come, yeah, exactly. Come, please come get it, please. 
Because I, you know, it's been a while since I've been able to beat the shit out of someone legally. Come, come, give me that excuse. And it was like, well, you don't have to go that route. Yes, the fuck I do. <laughs> this is some gangster shit. This is mafia shit. You can come try and get it, but your travel is going to cost just as much as you loaned me <laughs> to get here. <laughs> and so. I know your and I know your ass ain't going to sit on a bus for two and a half days to get to the part of the country I'm at. So you're going to end up spending more. On one on the trip down to come get it. Right. Consider consider me a sunk cost, and let's move on. Yeah, but I mean, see, if now if this was just like a one time thing, and it was a one time thing for me because I quickly learned that just like you know, in jail, if someone tries to hand you something for free, you go, "No, I'm good." If you can't afford it yourself, you go without, because once you owe somebody, you know, it's like, "Hey, <laughs> I'm gonna need that back with interest." And if you say, I ain't got it, then you're up shit creek. Then that's when the trouble starts. So it was, it, I only fell for the rope, you know, the, the, the okie doke banana in the tailpipe one time. But I saw other people that happened to, and these people, for whatever reason, were like, well, okay, you know, here you go. I guess I just won't eat lunch for a week, and I'll you know, pay you what I have. And I'm like, what the? Wait a minute. These are missionaries who are, who are, who, who, who's, who feel they're, 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 the, the, the highest calling that in their life can be is to get rid of all worldly possessions, go live amongst people who have nothing, and spread the word of God. So once they show up and they, and they help them get clean water and food and shelter, they go, well, now you owe me, which is kind yeah. of what they do, except for they, they're, they're, not, they're not extracting their pound of flesh and money necessarily. It's now you have to believe what I tell you to believe because this book says so. So ultimately, it's all a racket. It's all gangster shit. No, thanks. I'll keep shitting in a bucket. Exactly. Exactly. They can't break you if they didn't make you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and... and That's what I say to my turds each morning. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, first of all, isn't the good supposed to be its own reward? You forget, dipshits. Not you guys. I was tempered in this shit for 18 years. The good's supposed to be its own reward. And I totally forgot my second point. So, but, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I've read the Bible multiple times and no point it said, give to the poor, but make sure you get a receipt so you can use it as a tax write off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, they, they, you can't claim some sort of, I'm doing this, this is a higher calling and I'm doing this out of selflessness. But I, you know, three months later you have your hand out and they're like, I'm going to need that back, homie. Oh, I remembered it. It was, it, it, it's, it's. You're, you're right on how it's kind of gangster shit, mafia shit, because if you think about it, these missionary, what does religion basically do for people? It gives hope to the hopeless. So they find these, you know, they, they try to find these, you know, destitute, third world, hopeless societies and give them some hope. And they play on that shit. And to me, that shit is evil. Like that is counteractive to your mission, in my opinion. Well, also, I mean, what happens when when the uh, the Christian mafia comes in and starts getting involved in your shit, right? You end up sending 10% of your business back hey, to the church. It's a nice toilet you got there. Be ashamed if something happened to it. Right. That's why, you know, I heard, I heard a comedian say one time, he said, that's, I go home and I turn on my ceiling fan and I just sit sometimes and appreciate my ceiling fan because I know one day to get to where, I, where I'm at in my career, I owe people. I know one day there's going to be a knock at my door and people are going to be like, you like this ceiling fan? Well, if you want to keep it, you have to do this for me. And 
if that was, see, I almost rather deal with the mafia because the mafia tells you straight up, this was going to happen if you don't pay us back. This was done under, under false pretense of this is out of the goodness of my heart three months later. And to this day, I have no idea what happened. I don't know if they fell on hard times. I don't know if they finally got their, 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 their papers to, to go someplace. And they were like, oh, we need to have more money. Well, I thought you had to get rid of all your worldly possessions to go do what you had to do. What's that $125 going to what, what difference is that going to make? You know what I'm saying? If you're selling your home and your car and you're going to live off the land amongst these people and spread the word, what, are you going to whip out a, a, a Benji and be like, hold it up, and, we'll, and all, the, all the natives are going to go, ooh. Yeah. No. They're going to be like, give me that. Sniff it. Can't eat it. Can't fuck it. What good is this thing? And throw it down the fucking ground. I mean, wipe their ass with it, literally. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, they'd be like, "Oh, better than leaves," you know. (laughs) Like, I just, I, I just don't understand this, the, the, the attitude, and I've seen it. Like I said, it only happened to me personally once, but once it happened to me, I became very aware, and I grew some serious rabbit ears for that type of shit, and watched it happen to people over and over again, and I'm like, this is. This is somehow, somehow you people have moral high ground? No, you fucking don't. You're running the same scam people run on newbies in prison. It's the exact same thing, except for this. Well, you'll burn in hell. Well, if hell is full, if, if, if heaven's full of Christians, I'll gladly go to hell. Thank you. Like if, if it has, these people had no concept of they were dealing with someone who was like, look, I don't want your help because I don't want to owe you anything. And it was, don't worry, you won't owe me. And then when they were like, pay me back, and I'm like, I told you I couldn't pay you back, their attitude was like, well, then you'll burn in hell. Well, I don't right. believe in hell, so it doesn't Ooh, matter to me. Right. Great, wonderful. <laughs> Burning in hell sounds cheaper than 125 bucks. You know, right? Unless Jimi Hendrix's ghost is going to appear to me and say, "Don't make the same mistakes I did," <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, I'm not going to buy into your ridiculous note. Like, uh, and I'm going to be burned alive and flayed for the rest of eternity in some layer underground. I, I mean, look, I, I, if you you know if you have a a serious burning desire to go out. And help people who live in you know in areas where they can't have clean water, they you know disease runs rampant, and you're trying to help them out. And it's there's no quid pro quo like okay now that now that I've done this for you, you have to sit through my sermons once a week well, and pray like I tell you to. Right. Then you know what I I do have a little sympathy if you end up someplace that you didn't know that they're going to be like yeah come on in. Yeah, dinner served, folks. Well, yeah, because those people are out there. You know, there are a lot of people doing real missionary work of helping people, both under the in the name of religion and not exactly. And I'm not saying that this is across the board how all missionaries are. I'm just saying that this this seemed to be the mindset of this particular group in this particular particular area that I dealt with, and like. When, it, when called on it, their attitude was like, how dare you call me on this? If you are truly altruistic, you should want nothing in return. Nothing. Also, Not a fucking thing. Like this guy who claimed to uh, be doing missionary work when he was killed by the, uh, the people on this island. And what real successful missionary work looks like, sure, it's going to have a Jesus component, right? They 
that is part of the gig is they want to get another convert. But they're successful in areas where they see a need and fulfill it, right? We went to this village because they had uh, they had poor uh, they had no source of clean water, right? So we brought them water, or we you know brought them some sort of uh, technology or way for them to to get their own water. We help them out, and then hope that you know in exchange they're going to be open to listening to us talk about Jesus, and maybe they'll like the idea. I mean, this dude wasn't trying to help them out; he was trying to help himself out. There was what need do these people have? They're seeing the 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 new world show up on their shores, and they're chucking spears at it. They're telling you, "We're fine here. Yeah, we're good." We don't, to... we don't have need for anything. We're not trying to flag down the helicopter saying, please drop bacon. <laughs> we're going, get the fuck out of here. We got no, all the bacon. arrows at it. Yeah. Well, I have to say, the, the, the internet remains undefeated in its snarkiness because the memes that have come out of this are great. Like the, One of the ones I love the most is it had the picture of the people from the tribe on the beach. Like brandishing the, their bows and arrows and stuff, and then the other side of it was a picture of the missionary, and it said, "When you get sober and go back to your old crack house, trying to preach the twelve steps." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> I mean, another one was like, "There's a guy who's got like a, a hundred arrows in him," and it says, "Excuse me, have you heard the good word about our Lord and Savior <laughs> Jesus Christ?" <laughs> so I mean, it's like eh, you know. Eh, Look, man, look, I, you, I, can't, I have a hard time getting like, oh, man. I mean, look, it sucks he's dead. It really does. And it sucks that somewhere along the line, it, it, he, he had been told that, you know, there's going to be some sort of eternal gift. Wait a minute. Eternal. With this, it doesn't suck that he's dead. Oh, <laughs> no, it, it, I'm it, 100% glad this guy is dead. One less idiot. At some point in his life, someone made a, a decision to, to beat into his head that if you sacrifice your life for this cause, you will have an eternal reward waiting for you. And it, to me, it's just, it, that shit starts when you're a kid. If, if, you, if it was a law that you could not talk religion with someone until they were 21, how many people would be religious? Think about it. Because what, what's the first thing religious people do? They indoctrinate their children when they still believe in Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, and all that shit. Mm -hmm. they, don't know, they only know the reality you tell them. You're their whole world. And you're filling their head full of nonsense. And you're doing it because, well, that's what was done to me. Okay. That's your rationalization? Well, you were also beaten and, and molested as a kid. So are you going to beat and molest your kid? Because that's our tradition. We just beat the shit out of kids and fuck them. That's, just, that's what was done to us. Oh, five what, kids. I cannot wait to not bring them up religious. Oh, man. You know, I have, I have a friend who, you know, he, he hit some hard times, and he had to move back home, and he's in his 20s, and his parents were like, you can move back in, but you got to go to church every Sunday. And I'm like, that's the most Christian thing I've ever heard. He has no interest in church. He is, an, you know, an atheist, agnostic, whatever. He, he does not believe in, in, in any of that. But they think that if they force him to go, that somehow that's going to make him fucking religious ma magically. Hey, you can live under my roof again, but you have to wear short pants and this beanie hat <laughs> constantly. Hey, to be fair, an hour on Sunday sounds way cheaper than any amount of rent. He's Catholic. 
Yeah. No, yeah, it ain't no hour. Three hour. Yeah. Catholic? <laughs> no, Catholic's an hour. Mass is, dude, sometimes you get a good priest. That shit's 45 minutes. He's got shit I, to do. I must have had, yeah, a, but, I must have had a, a long-winded one because it was like it took them an hour to, to come down the aisle swinging the incense while they're singing that Damien Omen music. Oh, 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 oh. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's like a horror movie in here. But yeah, it's just about not about mass either, right? I mean, you got to go downstairs in the weird basement and eat cookies afterwards. <laughs> and talk about what churches have you guys gone to? <laughs> what? I go to an express church. You can go. You get. <laughs> we went. We left. We went to breakfast afterwards. <laughs> an express church. <laughs> it's like, it's Jesus Express. <laughs> hey. Hallelujah! Holy shit! Yo, wrap this on. shit up. Get out of taking here. it to go. Yeah, we got it. We got to get you home before f- one o'clock kickoff. All right, so. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Instead of giving communion, he just has like a, a a gun, just shoots wafers out at the crowd, like a t-shirt gun. Yeah, I was gonna say like a t-shirt gun, like open up, here comes the body of Christ, motherfuckers. <laughs> they just hook a wine bottle up to a hose. No, I was gonna say they got a super soaker. The yeah. other priest right behind you. Here's the wash it down. Don't choke on the blood of Christ, bitch. You know, like. <laughs> All right, lines kick off in, an hour, in ten minutes. See. Ya. Oh, God. Well, kind of along the same things, and we, we, we haven't talked about it yet, is uh, the whole shit at the border. Speaking of, like, people showing up and other people going, and guess what? We don't want you here. And they're going, uh, we're trying to show up in a sanctuary city. Why are you firing tear gas at us? And it's like, well, I don't know. Why are you throwing rocks at people? I Pretty much, it's a fucked up situation all around, isn't it? I mean, what do, it, I understand that these this group of people might not have been informed about what's going to happen to them when they get there necessarily, but you hear the rhetoric coming from Trump. Did you think there was going to be like a red carpet rolled out? Come on in. Right, but they didn't. They didn't make the trip to throw rocks. They made the trip to apply for for asylum. Yeah, when they were told, yeah, uh, most of you don't qualify, they got pissed off, and it's like, okay, well. Did did you? Once but it's again. the catch twenty two, right? It's it's like you, it's not illegal to come. It, it's illegal to come into the country without permission, right? Of whatever, whether you're a citizen or you've got a green card or you're just visiting. You know, somebody is letting you into the country, and anything other than that is just considered illegal. But yet, how else do you apply for asylum? You have to be on American soil to apply for American asylum. Well, you know, I, I, I do have a few questions before they reach the American border. You know, you constantly hear from certain groups of people about, you know, how wonderful other forms of government it is. Well, why didn't they, if, 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 if socialism is so goddamn wonderful, why didn't they just stop at Venezuela and stay there? Why did they keep coming north? What is that? No, don't give me that. What does it got to do? You know what, exactly yeah, what, what does it, it have to do with with applying for asylum, though? Because if they're seeking out a better life, you tell me they couldn't find in any of the other countries that they passed through. If and and if America's so you horrible, you should have. If America's so horrible and all these other countries have have are are better, then why didn't you stop there? Why keep coming here? That's my question. I, you know, if you don't understand the question, you don't understand the question. I, no, but, I understand the question, but I don't understand your thinking behind it. I mean, you're being facetious, right? If, I mean, if look, we're so evil and everywhere else is so great, 
why are you I, killing yourself to get here? At this point, I understand. But are you are we talking about immigration and asylum, or are we talking about idiot liberals? I don't know. That's 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 part of the question, I guess. I mean, the question isn't to the people coming here. Because I'm sure if I asked them why why didn't you stop at these other countries and, and, why, and kept coming kept trekking to America, they would say because America's better, right? Period. Right. We know why they're coming here. It's the people on our side of the of of the border who are going. Oh, America's horrible, and all these other countries they they're great, wonderful. Well, then why don't you fucking take a day off and go fly down there and explain that to them and say there's no need to keep coming to America. Oh, that's right. Because ultimately, you know you're full of shit. Yeah. Hey, that's, all, that's the problem here. You're still here. <laughs> you have not left. And yeah, it's trust me, as, as the grandchildren of immigrants, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty conflicted on this issue. I, and believe me, I have, look, I have no problem giving political asylum to people who are being terrorized by so-called police forces, which are nothing more than, than private security bought and paid for by, you know, drug cartels and, and, and tin pot, you know, despot, you know, despots and shit like that. That is, I have no problem with that. The problem is this attitude of, you know, oh, this country's so horrible. Why would any, you know, and, and, and especially if you're a person of color, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then explain to me why these people are fucking dying to get here. Explain that to me. I don't understand. And, you you say that and you get either a dumbfounded look or you get, well, you're just racist. You won't understand. Oh, well, that's convenient. Okay, great. Wonderful. So I guess we're just not going to have this discussion. All right, cool. Well, I, I don't, I mean, why would you, what, what, what discussion is there to be had there? Oh, I mean, any, perhaps. there's no, no, there's nobody, there's no reasonable thinking person that, that believes that there's any better society that is, south of us well better looking women in certain cases but that's that's a personal preference sorry but uh, no you're right there's no reasonable thinking people that think that the problem is is that you, reason you, reason and the and and and, and 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 subjects like this parted ways a long time ago it, right i mean you want to dialogue let's talk about the real reason why they are leaving right which is that they have one or two options and and whatever their country of origin is, either everything is run by cartels or if the government's actually decided to fight back against them and not just be paid off by them, then it is what you're describing, basically a private security force that is gunning down teenagers in the streets for being out after curfew, assuming that they are up to no good, literally gunning them down. So that's what they're... That's what they're running from. I mean, well, and it's and it's but, the exact. But we're same, horrible. It's the exact same question I would ask the people: like, oh, these aren't refugees; these are George Soros-funded actors that are coming here. R really? Have you seen the? Fucking I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with either one of you guys, but you can't phrase all these arguments and as if you're talking to the most, <laughs> the most entrenched liberal. With their head in the sand, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, look, bottom line is, yes, it's hard to get in this fucking country. Why? Because a lot of people want in. End of story. If no one wanted in, believe me, our, our borders, people wouldn't be like, protect our borders like they are. It's not even necessarily easy to 
achieve asylum no, in this country. Not. But why should it be difficult to apply for it? I, that's a question. I. Why is it difficult to apply for it? If it's a, if it's a. Well, the chucking we, tear gas at you makes it pretty fucking difficult. Well, chucking tear gas at him is like, look, you can't just fucking storm the wall. You can't just climb the fence. We can't let that happen. Mm-hmm. Right? And here's the thing. Oh, they were firing tear gas on women and children. I, you know, but it, spare me. My heart pumps purple piss for you. There was also a bunch of men fucking trying to, to rush the fucking the fence. Stop acting like it was just thousands of women and children showing up emaciated and we were like oh fire on them like come on now like if you believe that level of propaganda then you're 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 beyond you're beyond fucking hope there's no hope for you all right there was people that got there and they got pissed off because it was like no you're not coming in it's not just going to be the doors open walk on in that's not how it works people got pissed people started no, chucking it isn't rocks. how it works it's but what <laughs> the option isn't just either chuck tear gas at them or let them walk over the border and hope we see them again. Well, the there's, options, there's a the process options, to apply for asylum. I don't understand why they couldn't be granted it. Because not everyone of them qualified for the process for asylum, period. No, the, the process of qualification is the quality. That is where you determine the qualification, right? You can't just say out of hand. You haven't even applied, but I know that you don't qualify because I saw you chuck that rock, or I don't like your look, or whatever. I don't know what you would base it on. Well, I would, think, it on? I would think trying to illegally enter a country would probably disqualify you from getting put through the process. Right, but they're not trying to illegally sneak into the country. They're approaching the border seeking asylum. There's nothing illegal about it. So... We're, An we're, asylum application must demonstrate two things to satisfy this requirement. The applicant must show that the reason that persecution... Try this again. The applicant must show that the reason the persecution that is being done is because of being in one of five protected groups. Race, religion, nationality, wait, political... Okay, opinion. hold up, though. We're not even talking about what it takes to achieve asylum. We're I talking just about... just asked a question giving, a couple of minutes ago. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about... Who gets to apply for asylum? I was just the, trying to tell you. Anybody who wants to apply, you, you're not describing what it takes to apply for asylum. It, you're talking about what it takes to achieve asylum. No, an asylum application must demonstrate two things to satisfy yes. this requirement. To be approved. So obviously they didn't fall in. Some of these people didn't fall in. How do you know unless they apply? You can't say that they fall into one category or another unless they apply and you then find out. Otherwise, what are you basing the information on? The way they look? Where they come from? Again, nothing in what I read said anything about approval. It said what you need to be, to be eligible for the application. No. <laughs> An asylum application must demonstrate two things to satisfy this requirement. The applicant must show that the reason that the okay, person... Okay, wait, you keep starting at this requirement. I think you need to back up and define what this requirement is. I keep trying and you keep cutting me off. No, it's before that. This requirement is referring to something that came prior. An what asylum application must set this requirement, colon... The applicant must show that the reason the persecution that is being done is because of uh, being in one of the five protected groups. Race, religion, nationality, political opinion... Or membership in a social group. And what happens if it doesn't? Th- then they can't apply. 
No, the application is turned down. You don't know that information until they apply. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What do we do with them while we're checking all these people's okay, qualifications? Who can apply for asylum? A person that can qualify for asylum if he or she has a reasonable fear of future persecution on account of racial, religion, national, or political opinion or membership in a social group. Mm-hmm. That is who so can qualify about, for what asylum. What about those qualifications would... would how do you look at those qualifications, then look at this group of people and go, some of you don't qualify? Unless you allow them to apply for asylum, then you can look at their application and go, this one doesn't apply. I don't believe that this person meets any of the qualifications. That's what I mean. We're not talking about the process of asylum. We're, we're talking about who gets to even apply. And I don't know why we've got a huge portion of this country that's just decided that nobody or even a, a portion of this group of the caravan is disqualified until that individual has applied for asylum. And we can make that decision. And to address your question, what do we do with these people? We do with them whatever the fuck we do with anybody else who applies for asylum. I don't fucking know. But it's a process that happens. We have a process in place. Yes, and every process we have in place apparently is horrible and inhumane and violates human rights so is the is is no. the is the if that's the case if that's the case then we're then we don't need to be arguing about whether they should be able to apply if if they show up and they go i'd like to apply for asylum okay here's the process and yeah we're not just gonna just open the door let you walk and go okay uh we hope you show up in two weeks for this 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 meeting we're gonna have you know enjoy 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 san diego for the next two weeks no, it, it's not. It, it can't work that way. So what do you what do we, what do we do if we put them in in some sort of processing slash holding center? That's inhumane. You can't put them in jail. They've done nothing wrong. I look. If, if, if you're, they, you're if conflating they, two things here, okay? We have a we have a, a process of asylum. We have all the the structure that it needs around it. The rounding up of the families and putting them in cages had to do with people coming over into this country illegally. That's something separate from this, from somebody who is seeking asylum. So well, that doesn't mean that everyone that, that the process of seeking asylum means you have to go live in a cage for a while or you just roam San Francisco free. Well, then the news, then the news sources that I've read are flat out lying because all the, all the news sources I've read basically says, oh, yes, we hold them just like we hold people who come into this country illegally. We're still separating families while they're waiting the, the, the application process to go through. And that's inhumane. Okay, well, if that's inhumane, what do we do then? What do we do? You can't, like I, like I was going to say, they've committed no crime. They didn't come into the country and try to stay illegally. You can't mm-hmm. throw them in jail. All right. But you know that there is, there is an implication that is there. Any place we put them, they, oh, this is, this is like, you know, oh, this is an internment camp until we can, you know, people are going to start saying that shit. And it's just going to fucking, it's just going to stoke the fires of this nonsense and make it worse. And that's exactly what's fucking happening. Everything is fucking high drama instead of just being, guess what? Welcome to America. Now you get to deal with bureaucratic bullshit. That's part of being an American. Deal with it. 
I, I, what else is there to say? It sucks. I don't know. I, you know, but it's I don't... better than being killed by a cartel, isn't it? I mean, it sucks okay. to have to go to the. It sucks to have to go to, to, to Department of Human Services and sit online for six hours and talk to fifteen different people and told you didn't dot this I or lowercase J. So now you have to go and start it back over again. But in the end, if you get the help you need, it's better than not having the help at all, isn't it? I mean, that's my problem. It's criticism without any solution, and you're just criticizing to criticize. And then you have the other side whose solution is just kill them, put the military at the border. Well, okay, That's but insane Rich, again, also. you're phrasing this argument between the dumbest people you can find on the internet. And these are the and these are the people that are driving the fucking conversation. <sighs> these are the people that, that squeak the loudest. So they get the grease. This is who politicians play to because that's their base. How dumb do you have to be to fucking go, this is my side and I agree with them always. Real dumb. And there's a lot of people that are like that. Did, did we not see this in the last two elections? That people are just like, no, I, nope, no, I won't vote for a Republican. I won't vote for a Democrat. I don't care what they are as an individual, what they stand for as an individual. They have that R or they have that D by their name. And I'm just sitting here going, okay, if the if if what we're doing is not right, how can we fix that? And shouldn't that be a priority? You've committed no crime. There's no reason to treat you like a criminal. We're not going to throw you in jail, but we can't just let you wander free until we figure out if we're going to grant you asylum or not. But why are you so okay we have to tear gas at them then? If you're throwing rocks at our fucking soldiers, yeah. Period. End of story. Are you fucking kidding me? That's not. You're chucking rocks? I'm pissed off. I'm not getting my way. It's kind of a chicken or egg argument, right? I mean, would any of this have happened this way if we didn't send troops to the border to greet these people? If we sent troops to the border to greet these people and the troops did this. Oh, if you're applying for asylum, form a line over here, blah, blah, blah. We're going to move this along in as orderly, proficient manner as possible, et cetera, et cetera. They had the proper interpreters, so these people who didn't understand English could understand what was being told to them. And it, it went just like it does everything else in this country. Get in line, hurry up, and wait. If that happened, there's absolutely no reason for anyone, for any violence to happen. It's when people get pissed that they're not given what they want immediately and start chucking rocks oh. that shit starts fucking getting out of hand. Man, I'm not following you there at all. Well, then you don't follow me then. <laughs> No, I don't. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. So if you don't get your way, it's okay to throw a temper tantrum and start chucking rocks at people. Is this is I mean, where else in society is that acceptable around here? If I go to court and, and I go to fight a traffic ticket and the judge rules against me, I can chuck rocks at him when he walks out to get in his car. Sure. No, I mean, this is total comparable situation. And try, try and put yourself in these people's shoes just for a second. You you're leaving a what you believe to be a life-threatening situation going on a life-threatening journey to somewhere where you don't you hope that there's asylum and a future for you there but you don't know for sure but that gamble is at least better than the sure thing of watching you know watching your family and friends die in front of you day after day or living under in a totalitarian government so at the end of that journey what do you find but a mass of troops there. I mean, what else are those troops there for? It's to make sure that everyone gets in line. That's what they should have been there for. Right. It was what, a misuse of you, our military. If you approached that border and saw that, what would you think? 
that these people are to make sure that this runs efficiently as possible? Well, I'm going to tell you what I would These think. people are there to make sure that I'm not getting in no matter what. I'm going to tell you what I wouldn't and so think. Now what, now what choices are you? Hold on, though. Try and put yourself in this person. Uh-huh. And what I'm in this person's your shoes. Option? What is your option then? Go back gonna, home to the, to the crime-ridden or, and or totalitarian government that was killing your friends and family in the first place? No, I'm going to throw rocks at armed people because yes, that's going to work decision. out well. It's a dumb decision, yes. I agree with you on that. It's but just do you as, understand where it comes from and what options they feel that they're left with? Can you understand the frustration that, that, that might be born of? Yes. Just because you're frustrated doesn't give you license to be it's, an idiot. It doesn't but you because you are so goddamned intent that I have fuck that I empathize with these people. But you're, you're, you're missing. No, stop. I let you go. My turn. That's how this okay. works. Hey, okay. Chill, All right, man. All right. Now, this is, you're missing this. my point. My point is this was mishandled from the top down from fucking Jump Street. No, that All wasn't right? your point. Your point was okay to throw tear gas at them. If you're going to they throw- were mad because they couldn't have their asylum right away when they wanted it. That okay, was the well point then, that you were making. Sure. You know what? If you wanted to talk about it, it was a Pulling teeth in the middle of a conversation, place, dude. I then just we can't. wouldn't have, we wouldn't be arguing about this. Well, okay, so what are we fucking supposed to do, Aaron? You give a solution instead of criticizing everybody's opinion for a change. You give a solution. What do you want to happen? And I don't know isn't an answer. Go. Uh, don't send troops to the border. Allow them to apply for asylum like anybody else and not make a big politicized issue about it. That's what I would like to happen. Where do we house them while, while their applications are being processed? Wherever we house whoever came before them, the process doesn't need to change. Okay? The asylum process wasn't broken in this country. We just decided to politicize it. Remember when we were talking about... Oh my God! They're separating families and shit. And yes. the first thing, what's what the am first I thing? Say to the crazy what's liberals? the first I thing I said? Fuck. What's the first thing I said when that came up? I said, "Wait a minute, hold on." Was this happening under other presidencies besides Trump? And it was the answer was yes. Well, then why are we sitting here making a big deal about it now? Oh, that's right, because this group doesn't like the president that's in charge. So now it's an issue. But when their guy did it, it wasn't an issue. It's bullshit. I agree with you on that. All right. Yeah, I may have started at the wrong point trying to work my way back to make the point that it's been fucked up from the top down because I started at the bottom and tried to work my way to the top. I'm sorry for that. I genuinely am. I made that mistake. My bad. Okay. But this was completely mishandled. All right. You send, absolutely, you send troops to a border, it's sending a message. But if you send troops to a border and you explain to them it's to keep, it's a peacekeeping situation instead of, well, you know, they may or may not be given permission to fire on civilians or to fire on people. Like We we send troops a lot of places in the name of peacekeeping operations, but how often do you think that they are seen by the people who live in those places as keepers of the peace? Probably about as much as the police are seen as a non-occupation force in places like Detroit and Baltimore and St. Right. Louis, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's the problem. If you, tre- if you, if you, where does that come from? That comes from the top. That comes from the people giving the fucking orders. That comes from the mouthpiece, the commander-in-chief of the military, Donald Trump most high, okay? 
And he exasperated the situation by doing what he did and saying the bullshit he did. Mattis come out and was like, wait a minute, no one's been given permission to fire on these people. Let's just get this straight right there. I don't mm-hmm. care what Trump says. That was glossed over in the media. Well, it was it, an aside mentioned because it doesn't stoke the, the fire's outrage. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how these troops themselves feel about... I, they have to know that they're there because their own president painted himself into a corner with his rhetoric. Exactly. He made such a big deal about this, my, this mass of migrants that if he didn't make some show of force, that he would be laughed at by his base. And that's why they were at the border. And that goes back to completely mishandled from the top down. You can't set the situation up as they're there as, for lack of a better term, warriors to defend the border. Like they're repelling an invading force or something. Right. This is not an invading force. This is people who are so desperate, they will cross a continent for a chance at a better fucking life. And this is why I'm so defensive of this particular group of migrants, because this isn't just any old case of asylum. Our president has made sure that it isn't, and the press has followed up with that. So, yeah, I mean, if if this particular group of migrants was never mentioned by the president, it wouldn't be mentioned by the press, it wouldn't be, nobody else would give a fuck about it, and it would happen just like, Every group of migrants before. Some of them make it. Some of them get to apply. Some of them actually get asylum. A lot of them are turned away. I mean, some of them I'll, spend a few weeks in a, in, a, in a holding cell or a cage somewhere and then get turned down and have to be kicked back out of the country. And that's just part of the process. That's what I'm saying. Like, none of this is broken. Well, I think it could be improved a whole lot, but no one wants to talk about improving the process. They, well, they want to they make it even harder or they want the process to not exist. And those are, yes, those are the extremes, but those are the extremes that are yelling the loudest. Those are the voices that are heard the loudest over the rest of the, the dull roar of society that's going, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's got to be a better way to do this. Yeah, I... There has to be. This, but is, this is like Trump saying, like, uh, the Democrats want open borders, and they don't, and they don't say that, and I don't even see any of the more extreme wackos on the left actually saying that we should have open borders. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And in fact, I, I think I've said this before. Maybe it was off the air, but that's more of an extreme, like, anarchist libertarian point of view than, right. a, than, a, than a Democrat point that's of view. That's somebody who has very little belief in borders, period. Like, we're all one world nation. Exactly. And I mean, it, and if you remember... One of the very first episodes I was on, we were talking about it, and I was, I, I mean, I didn't go so far as to say, let's just keep the borders open, but we should, I, I still feel we should streamline the process to citizenship. I mean, if, if it, yes, there, you should be vetted, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, if you come from certain places where there's a, an extreme hatred for Western culture or, or American culture or whatever you want to call it, all right. Yeah, we're going to take a big. We're going to take a, a little bit of a deeper look at you than if you're coming from Switzerland. Okay, it's just it's just because it's not like there's a ton of terrorist cells waiting to to do some shit to 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 people who disagree with them in Switzerland. All right. Right. But I mean, and 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 believe me, and and it's not it's not about color. It's more about ideology. I mean, I wouldn't want like at the height of the the the, the troubles in Northern Ireland. I wouldn't want to just have an open door policy 
to anyone from Belfast to come here because that's just inviting a bunch of fucking trouble. Ultimately, I mean, it, it, you have people who are dissidents who are who feel that that they have to fight something and they're willing to give their lives for it and they don't care who they kill in the process of doing that. We don't want those people here, regardless of their ideology. I don't care if they're Christian, I don't care if they're Muslim, I don't care if they're Catholic, I don't care if they're atheist. If you if that's if if that's your mindset, yeah, you you shouldn't be here. Period. Because we have enough people like that here on our own. And we you know it, Instead of doing something about them, what do we do? We lock up nonviolent drug offenders. No, no, we should probably throw people in prison who are plotting to kill other people to to further a point, an ideological point that they have. I mean, look, I, yeah. streamline streamline the process of citizenship, absolutely. But we, the, the, it seems like the process itself is flawed, and why the national mm-hmm. conversation isn't how we can improve it. Well, Trump does talk, he talks about wanting to have a merit-based system, right? That instead of the more family-dominant system that we have, where if we get, you know, one person gets in here and then they apply to have their wife, their kids, whoever else come join them, those, that family is more likely to be fast-tracked. And Trump wants just, you know, I don't know how you, what kind of merits and how you actually like, what do we give everyone an SAT or something or, or, or how you even standardize that to even assess all these people who are coming from vastly different countries and, and ways of life and ways of thinking and all this, how we figure out who's going to be the most successful in America. And the reason I'm so against that as a concept is because really what you're getting then is people who have been able to be successful in their own countries, right? How else do you show merit? You know, you have a successful business or you're, you know, at least could uh, make enough to, to take care of your family and you're just looking at America as an opportunity, but it opportunity in the way that you know like a, a hot tip on a stock is like here's this opportunity here's there's a lot of growth over here there's a lot of money to be made in this country i'm already fairly successful in my own country but i can be much more successful in america I, I and, mean, I, but but what i mean that type of person i don't feel is the type of person that fully integrates into american society they can dip by whatever our economy takes a dip and they're like that's fine I still got 40 cell phone stores in India, so <laughs> I don't really need you. Now, on, uh, if you take out the, the merit side of it and just look at, okay, you know, this person, reasonably healthy, doesn't have a police record, seems to be a decent citizen in their own country, and you give that person the opportunity to come to America. Now, this is a different type of opportunity. This isn't the hot tip on the stock. This is, hey, here's a decision you can make that could change the rest of your life and the path that, that you're on. That person is much more likely to be fully integrated into American society. And you know, to the point even where they can't even go back. I was driving uh, a gentleman from India to the airport the other day. He was talking about how long he's been in this country and his family is over here and everything. And, and 
he was talking to me about the reasons why he came to this country, and he said that he was that everything in India is so set. Like you are like tested and slotted at an early age, even outside of it, like what caste you're in. Like it, he described it a lot, like how you hear uh, you know Asian countries are, where like early testing. And by eighth grade, you're going to know if you're going to be a fucking botanist or a janitor. And he was describing how people who went to school and even got their higher education back in India were like fully integrated into that way of thinking in that life. And they could be somewhat successful in America, but still come back and be successful in India. Whereas people like himself who feel like he's fully integrated into this country, there's really no going back. He's really not even seen in his own country as somebody who is, you know, is at the same skill level, you know, been westernized, right? He's it's, He's been well, I was gonna, absolutely I was, westernized. I was going to say institutionalized, but westernized is a better way to put it, yes. Yeah. So well, that's I'm all I'm saying. I mean, it's kind of a long quick. road to go around to say that, like, this idea of merit-based immigration sounds good. It looks good on paper. It seems to make sense. But I think when you actually pull it apart, like, that is just opportunistic businessmen that we are giving access to this country and not the true immigrants that are going to be not only future American citizens, but raise whole families of contributing American citizens in this country. That's what we really need. And I mean, I, I guess on some cold, hard, unfeeling level, it makes sense for it to be based, you know, immigration based on merit and merit alone. But there, I think there is something to be said for a person trying to bring their family over here. Because I've, growing up in the area we've grown up in, we've all seen it, whether we've realized it or not, where, you know, a family will come here, the, 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 the older people in the family will buy a business, and the whole family works the business. And by the time, you know, the, the kids and the grandkids, you know, come around, you know, they work and they go to school and they go to college and they get an education and they move on and blah, blah, blah. That's an To me, that's an incentive because you have your family there and you're like, look, if we all do this together, mm-hmm. we, can, we, can, you know, we can improve our lives all around. I mean, you're going to work harder for yourself than you are for somebody else. In theory, I guess. Well, I yeah, mean, but there that's all part of the plan is like, you're going to get that small business. It's not the idea that like, well, I'm going to be the most successful, uh, 7-Eleven franchisee ever. And I'm going to end up being, you know, it's, I'm going to make enough money so that we can live comfortably and I can pay for my kids to be educated so they can do whatever the fuck they want. And they're going to go on. Their kids are not going to inherit the 7-Eleven. They're going to be a fucking doctor and they're going to buy their parents a house when they're ready to retire. Well, ultimately, yeah, you'd hope that your kids who you, you did own the party store, you did, you know, you and your family did work, you didn't hire outsiders until maybe, you, you know, you expanded to the point where you needed to hire someone who wasn't family then eventually the, the kids will go to college, and when they get older, they'll take care of the parents because, well, that's isn't that pretty much how it works right now for even 
people born in America. You know, you hope your kids will, will, will be there and not just stuff you in some state home the minute you become a, a you know, a burden to them. You know, oh, I got to make sure you get your insulin twice a day. I can't do this shit. Here, go sit in a state home somewhere till you die. You know, that's, I, that's like a lot of people's worst fear of growing old is being abandoned by their family. So I would, once again, I understand on an intellectual level, you know, well, we might not let in the family, but we'll let in certain members. But yeah, but you're, it, you're, you're taking away a lot of motivation for people to come here in the first place. Yeah, and I think their thinking towards the family is completely contrary to what I see happen in real life. Now, you bring families over, you're going to bring the culture over too, right? And you can't just pry that shit out of them. You know, they're still going to want their weird smelling fishy food or something, you know? Okay. Or or there's certain ways that they're not going to, but people are, I think that when people think about family-based immigration, that's what they think of is like, well, if we bring all of their family over, then we're just like bringing their country with them and they're never going to fully integrate. They're just going to talk their own language to each other. They're not going to be part of our society. But that doesn't happen. Like, I mean, to a degree, it happens. been Dearborn lately? Well, yeah. No, absolutely. But, But, I mean, let's be honest. The further away you get from the first generation that, that came here, that actually lived in the country they come from the further away you get from that generation the more americanized families tend to get yes you still might go to grandma and grandpa's and they only speak you know lebanese or whatever in their house but you went to etzel ford you you know what i'm saying besides an occasional wola brah you you pretty much are americanized you know dearborn's a perfect example chris and i i take your point wholly that there are you know probably tens of thousands of women that live in Dearborn that don't speak English, that never take off the beekeeper suit out in public, that they, for, for all they care, I mean, outside of the fact that they can drive a minivan into a curb every once in a while, their life is not all that different if they lived in their, in whatever their home country was. But, it, but their kids are going to be very different. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got some Indian friends, like their parents, I, straight up, it, it's it's like they never left India. They're just living in a new spot. Right. Meanwhile, they are the most American Indian people you'll ever meet. Right. And that's you what know, we want. They eat whoppers and smoke weed. Like, yeah, I mean. It's, well, I, I won't even go so far as to say, is that what's what we want? That's if, what we if, need. If they want, if they but if you do have a, a, someone who's like, I came here, but I still want to hold, you know, the traditions of where I came from near and dear to my family in my house. Yeah. That's fine. I don't care. I, I honestly don't care. Maybe I'm wrong for thinking this way. I don't know. I've been told I'm, I'm wrong to think this way by, by my more conservative friends. When I walk into a, a, a party store or a gas station and the guy behind the counter is speaking like broken English. You can, you, I mean, obviously, this is Eng- English is his second, maybe even like third, fourth, fifth language. Mm-hmm. As long as he can communicate well enough to do his job, I don't get. I'm not like, oh, yes. dirty fucking foreigner. What's he doing exactly. here? Exactly. He's at least made the effort. <laughs> He's no, speaking no. English better than you speak Farsi. 
Exactly. Yeah. If I had to speak his language in his land, I would be miming shit. I'd be doing yeah, like, right. I'd be like two syllables, two syllables, you know, and he'd be so, like, I'm down with those people. It's right. He's going to make me sound country. awful redneck. He's but part owner of that party store. Like I go to his country I, two weeks. I'm begging on the streets, like dancing for people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take pictures with the fat American. 20 Kukaran or whatever the fuck your people's <laughs> shit is. Well, I mean, but that's the other thing. I, you know, I'm like, look, I don't, and, and when I see people from other countries come here and buy something like a party store or a gas station, I don't think, wow, they're taking away from me and, and natural born Americans. I don't, there's, there's, pl- there's more. Th- if we stop the bullshit, this may be a little utopic, you know, Bill Hicks, idea of you know we have plenty for everybody but it's the truth there's plenty for everybody just because this person who came to this country worked their ass off you know 15 16 hour days for fucking years to 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 build that business that they bought to a success doesn't take from you it's not that it's not their success comes at your expense right they're not taking a slice of your pie they made their own pie Exactly. And just like you should be making. Their pie's better though. So I eat their pies. Or you know, find some finish pies. Not everyone has to make their own pie. Sometimes you just want to find somebody with a really nice pie that gives you some every once in a while. As most of us do. Most don't make our own pie. I think so. <laughs> I thought we'd switch talking about pussy. I'm not okay. sure if I'm hungry or horny right now. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, that's, and I have friends who are like, why don't you see it that way? It's because that's not the reality of the situation. I've never went to apply for a job and they've been like, well, the guy who owns the gas station down the street from you, yeah, he took your job from me. Sorry. Like, no, that's not how it works. You don't just show up in this country and it's like, oh, Take it away from, from, from American-born citizens and give it all to this person who just showed up. Welcome to the country. Uh, here's a list of white people that we're currently thinking about hiring. So just pick any one of these that you want to replace. You know, there was... When, Welcome when to America. Looked, Chad, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> and stop popping your collar on your polos, asshole. But, uh, no, I, I, it's, you know, there was, when I lived in Westland, there was a, a gentleman who... He, you know, he bought a party store. I remember the party store before he bought it. He bought it, and no matter what time of day I went in there, that motherfucker was always there. And you know, I got to know him fairly well. You know, we we pass and repass and talk and stuff. And and obviously, once again, this is one of those situations where English was a second language. So he called me buddy. I he would, called him dude. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it was one of those things like, you know, sometimes he, he would get his words mixed up or he would say something and it would be, okay, that would be offensive coming from somebody else. Case in point, he was talking about, he was Chaldean, by the way. And he was talking about um, uh, some guy had come in, they started arguing over the price of something. And he was like, you filthy fucking ragheaded terrorist, Muslim piece of shit. And like he, you know, and he's like, you know, basically he, he's like, I got cussed out and he kept calling me a Muslim. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're Chaldean, you're Catholic. And he goes, exactly. I'm not even Muslim. And I'm like, how stupid could this guy have been? And he goes, see, you're one of the good ones. And I was like, oh, 
<laughs> buddy. <laughs> not, not just <laughs> like, like I, I get your point. I felt like it was Mr. 3000 and Bernie <laughs> Max trying to teach the Asian guy to cuss. And he's like, kiss my ass. He's like, good, good. Now put it a little bit more. Kiss my black ass. No, 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 no. A little too far. A little too far. <laughs> like, like, like we kind of frowned on you're one of the good ones. You know what I'm saying? Like I understand the sentiment. but it, Yes, I am one of the good ones, but that's not okay. You, you got to rephrase it, buddy. You got to rephrase it, you know? Like, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like I've told this story to friends of mine. And they're like, oh, I ought to have been pissed. Fuck that motherfucker. And I'm like, dude, he didn't. Context, dude. He didn't mean it in... Like, like you mean it when you meet a black guy and you go, oh, you speak so white. You're one of the good ones. You know what the, you, that's, that's a backhanded fucking compliment or insult, depending on how you want to look at it. That's an asshole fucking thing to say. He didn't understand that. He was, he was just like, I mean, and if you look at me, I I had a big bushy beard. I had long hair. I looked like a walking hate crime. I could understand why he would be like, oh, you look like the rest of the fools that come in and buy the 30 pack of bush. But you're one of the good ones, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't lean into it. Like, yeah, that's right. Not all white people are evil. Don't believe, don't believe what you're hearing on the news. But, but we all do look alike. It's the truth. <laughs> but no, you see what I'm saying, and it's I look. That's I, I guess I guess that's why I I I I, 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 I guess that's why I look at the situation going out the border, and I'm like. I can't believe the vast majority of them people are showing up with ill intent. I can't believe that. Well, you know, it's not even that. Now, I think there was a lot of talk about, you know, these violent males that are going to slip into this uh, or terrorists that are going to find their way into the country. And now that we see footage of what these people look, this group of people look like, clearly that's not the case. So now... The spin on it is they're dirty and diseased. Like uh, straight up, Fox News is reporting about how Fox these News people, been to LA lately. Yeah, these people have HIV and bird flu and monkeypox and whatever the fuck else. Okay, have you been to Seven Mile in Shiawassee? <laughs> Plenty of disease on the stroll over there. There's a typhus outbreak in los angeles right now because of all the homeless we're really going to play that card fox news we we have diseases yes, we, yeah. we we had vaccinated almost out out of existence that are now brazing their head because jenny mccarthy says don't get your kids vaccinated all right we're like come on now really like please i let's let's be honest these people aren't people are going to show up and be like uh no, we don't want your uh, right. westernized medicine. We just want a witch doctor to dance around us and and sacrifice a chicken, and we'll be fine. No, they're gonna be like, hey, right. even if they are, like, doesn't that just mean they need even more help? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, let's, uh, yeah, hey, let's, hey, let's get you healthy. Hey, let's, you know, and and uh, but then the argument is, well, why do we have to pay for it? Well, I, and I just go back to you have no problem dropping bombs on motherfuckers. You have no problem with your money going towards that. You have no problem with your money going towards drone strikes, people that, that ne- you'll never meet, that never or, did anything to you. Or made any beef about a continuing, t- continually escalating fee for all of that. Your money, BT dubs. Man, you guys put a, way more energy into that than I would. My answer would have been because taxes. Shut up. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it, it, when when it, that's the that's the thing though. The, the the type of person I'm talking about that would be like, I don't want to pay for them. They don't care when their taxes go towards you know, yeah, stuff that they use or stuff that they don't think about or stuff that they you know maybe or, low key like like actually get off on like yeah go bomb them Sam Negroes <laughs> yeah or just don't know right they're just blissfully ignorant. Imagine the tirades they could go on if they had an itemized list every year of like here's what percentage of your tax dollar went to blah oh i would not want to see that list i would be pissed right it's it, yeah. you never show me i, I never want to see that list because i i turn into wesley snipes willie nelson roll into one <laughs> find paid, me in a cabin in idaho i paid half a cent for piss christ fuck you <laughs> i paid a hay penny for piss christ <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere a 90-year-old listening to the podcast chuckled. They're like, hey, hey, Penny, I ain't seen one of those in forever. <laughs> uh, but creepy Uncle Sam. We'll well, I mean, see, ultimately, this is, this is, this is the beauty of this, this podcast. In the end, even though Aaron and I once again butted heads, I think we came out pretty much like, we're not standing in lockstep, but we're pretty damn close. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, you know, it's like, look. And I, if if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of the people that I'm talking about that are like fuck these people why should why should any of our money go towards helping them we have plenty of people here to help yeah we have plenty of people here to help but we don't do it okay period so do you really think that they're going to open up the or back up the Brinks truck for these people uh, no I guarantee you more people are that that are are legal here in this country are told sink or swim on your own fucking on your own period than than your average American citizen. I mean, like, you know, I hear horror stories about, oh, I go down to the Department of Human Services to get help, and here come the welfare queens driving in their Escalades with their, you know, $15 million cell phones, diamond-encrusted, and all this shit. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've been down there, too. I've seen a couple people, I'm like, yeah, they're working the system, but for the most part, I see motherfuckers that are desperate and have that same desperate look and that, oh, shit, I hope I get some help. Look that I saw in the mirror when I left to go there myself. Right. Okay. Right. Also, another argument against uh, family-based immigration. Well, they just want to bring everybody over here so they get them all on welfare. Well, once again, who is more likely to need welfare? An individual who comes here and doesn't have his family to help him build a business that he's trying to start? Or someone who comes here with, with family that can help him try to build a business that he's he wants to start i mean isn't isn't the point of welfare supposed to be it's not a lifestyle it's a until you find so until you get back on your feet it's supposed to be a hand a hand up not a hand out i mean so wouldn't you want to put people in the best position to get them off of the shit now if the system has loopholes and can be exploited which it absolutely does then you know what? We need to take a look at that. But that's a separate issue, all right? It's just like the tax code. That's why fucking the tax code gets changed every year. And that's why Joe, Joe, Joe Average doesn't do his own taxes if he's a 1099. He takes it to, a, to an expert. Because he doesn't know all the little loopholes and tricks that have been closed, but the new ones that have been opened up this year. That's what, that's what an accountant's there for. That's their job. I mean... I, 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 ultimately, I don't get the hatred for people trying to come here for a better life. All right, and at risk of of maybe you know reopening a wound that just scabbed over, I do understand the hostility towards 
you know, oh, I came here and, and, and I'm, and I'm not being allowed in. So I'm going to, yeah, attack the people that I see is not letting me in. I understand you want to do that, but I also understand why people could commit murder. I just don't condone it. And, and part of being part of coming to America is understanding you got to get in line and you got to wait, man. And it sucks. And I'll commiserate with you while we're standing in line. What you can't do is throw temper tantrums and expect to go to the front well, of the line. Right. Because what, what, you're really just worried about competition. It's like why they didn't want black people to play sports originally. You, why didn't they want... If black dudes were like sucking at baseball, nobody would really care that much. Like, eh, let them... So we, let them have a few black people on their team. What, what, difference, what difference can it really make? But then all of a sudden they start knocking this shit out of the park and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to have your own league. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, yeah. I, 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 once again, you don't see a whole lot of like black professional curlers. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's, there's, there's not a lot of Jamaican bobsled teams, even though they did make a movie about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, yeah, absolutely. But I'm not afraid of competition. I'm not, I'm not in competition with these fucking people. That's the thing. Like I'm, a, I'm, I am on the lowest rung that you can be probably before you're like homeless. Right. What's my you... competition? My competition is the motherfucker who's, who's trying to rob me for the 20 in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because he's trying to eat and I'm trying to hold on to it. Cause I'm trying to eat. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and if you're really looking at him in competition, like you, you have a leg up, right? Like you're, well, you're already born in this country. You didn't have to apply for citizenship. <laughs> anyway, well, it is it is true that 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 American American arrogance is to people outside of America is amazing. Like uh, one comedian said that he's like, you know, I go to I'm so American. I go to other people's countries, and I'm like, oh, these fucking foreigners speak English. it's like you know anyway you can't speak english in turkey or wherever the fuck i'm at what the fuck is wrong with you people like oh my god can i get a hamburger like you know i mean the same shit that we would fucking throw a shit fit about well certain groups of people would throw a shit fit about in this country if people showed up and were like oh my god why aren't you speaking farsi right what the fuck why why can't i get like a, a, a falafel or whatever the fuck at McDonald's, it's like because you're fucking at McDonald's. You know, you want good, you want good Mediterranean food. Go fucking where to, to, to Dearborn or wherever the fuck. What do you want me to fucking say? My rule for good ethnic food is go to find a sign you can't read. You will get good food there. <laughs> right. When I ate off of the food trucks in Portland, Spanish done. Going there. <laughs> want good Mediterranean food? Go to something written in Arabic. The best Chinese food I know around here. You walk in. And there's two people that will wait on you. And those are the two that speak the best English. And by best, I mean you can kind of understand them. And the whole back is Chinese people. When That's I walk another in with, It's another indicator, too. You go there and the staff can barely speak English. You're like, oh, this shit's going to be good. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I go to a Chinese restaurant and there's nothing but Mexicans in the kitchen, <laughs> I'm, I turn around walking out. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Like, I don't want to go to a soul food restaurant and have Billy Bob back there cooking. You know, no, I want, I want the grandma from soul food. You know what I'm saying? Like, like give me some, give me some authentic shit. 
Like, what the fuck? Come I walk to a soul food restaurant, and there's one white person there that I'm out. As long as he's is, if is he if he's oh, eating, it, fine. If he's well, behind say the one counter, white person that's that that is not a customer. I should clarify <laughs> that. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's that's that's another part of it that that I think a lot of this stems from is our own arrogance of like you know, no, we're we're American, you're not. We're just by virtue of being born American, better than you, and it's like no, that does I, I don't care if someone's an immigrant. If they have, it doesn't make them inferior to me or me superior to them or however you want to fucking look at it. And people that think that way, I don't understand that thinking because usually they are inferior to most everybody. Even if they're even, you know, like you talk to them and, you know, I believe God made me in one day. Yeah. And the quote Bill Hicks looked like he rushed it. So, yeah, I, I can see that. You, be, you don't believe in evolution, and you looked real, real, real de-evolved. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's just very frustrating because, to me, this is such a fucking non-issue that's been turned into such a big issue. And it's not like it started with Trump. It's just Trump has, has, has gained more momentum with this issue than previous candidates have. And I'm like, what is the... We have bigger fish to fry. Really? You know what I'm saying? Like... There's 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 a lot more, there's a lot more pressing concerns right now that we have, and we're worried about this nonsense to the point where he's like I mean we we ended up with five thousand troops at the border he tried to send fifteen thousand. Wow, I did not know that. That seems that seems excessive. I mean, think about that: five thousand troops, but he wanted ten thousand more. That's a that's. That's more people that are on a base. You know what I'm saying? That is a that is a small fucking city. It's like, really? That's what you want to send to the border? We don't have better use for these people, even if it's the National Guard. I'm sorry, haven't we had natural disasters all over the country this year where they could be better put to use than babysitting people at the border? Isn't that what Border Patrol is for? I mean, it, it would have made more sense to me if he said, I, I want to beef up Border Patrol. I want to hire more people at Border Patrol. I want to make sure... That the process of applying for asylum is a lot more streamlined and it goes smooth, and we can vet the people properly and et cetera, et cetera, and treat them humanely until we either allow them in or say, unfortunately, no, you have to leave. But that's not even on the table at this point because that's too reasonable of a fucking argument to have. It doesn't. It's it's not sexy. It doesn't piss people off, and so we don't care. We don't want to do it that way. Right. So is that it? We all boarded out. Oh, I did see some breaking news that Aaron might be interested in. Oh, did we lose Aaron? Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, literally scrolling through a, a, a some headlines uh, while we were talking earlier. Apparently, they've canceled Daredevil on Netflix. There will be no season four, and as someone who only watched <laughs> season, yeah. as someone who's only watched season one, is that is that like you know, you're like, eh, I'm not shocked. Season three sucked. I thought season three was better than two. All right. Well, I guess he's not as interested as I thought he was. All right. So, <laughs> well, thanks this for is listening. Three hours. I'm not gonna like. <laughs> 
No, I just... I'm I not ready for a new subject. I'm done. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. I... Thanks for listening, liking, and sharing. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, check us out on social media at a regimented pod. Email us on regimentedchrisfreedy.net. Check us out every Saturday, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you just eliminate the middleman and just go to chrisfreedy.net. But until next week, see ya. Yeah, it's my line. Oh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Later. Oh wait, adios! That fits, right? If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.